Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Sorry about last week. We had a thing, and now we don't have a thing, so we're here. It's very exciting. Um, you may notice we are not the left, right, and center show anymore. Uh, there was some potential conflict with that. There was, there's a, you know, somebody else who's just been doing it for years. You know, yeah, not as good as us, obviously. But so we decided to do a, a little bit of a name change, um, and we went with break the silo. So a um, little bit of explanation on that. Uh, so. You've probably heard us talk about this before, right? Um, the idea that everybody lives in their own information ecosystem, right? And all of us, um, you know, we we all, you know, we all kind of watch the people or gravitate to the news sites or the, you know, personalities that all mirror what we believe because it makes us comfortable and we don't have to face up to things that, that you know, that sort of jar our worldviews. And those can be considered silos, right? So these are all silos that we're all living in in, this, in, in the modern United States. And we, we think that silos are killing the country. Well, I mean, I do. But silos are no good. So we're here to break the silo. We're here to get you, in, well, at least into our three silos, I suppose. <laughs> our, our three merged silos. Yes. Yeah, I so, think it's a fitting name. I like it. Um, so. Yeah. I'll take credit for it, right? I came up with it, right, Tim? Sure, I don't care. Oh God, so you bad, came up but... with the first one too. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and grab the domain. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. So, so tonight's going to be um, a little bit of a deviation from our normal format. We're going to do about probably an hour of news and memes. We'll have a whole bunch of clips probably off of this, so that we can uh, chop it up and and give you a taste of what our clips are going to look like. Um, and then after that, we're going to get into a deep dive on universal basic income, right? Who wants who wants that that money, money, money every month, right? So um, with that, Tim, I think you have the most uh, news and memes. So let's start with you, then we'll go Chris and then me. Sure. I'm going to start with one that is uh, more just targeted at you. And I, I'm more looking just for an explanation. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. What is this shit? I don't understand. <laughs> how... Yeah. Um, so right here, Hillary says we should not nuke hurricanes. And then Ben Shapiro says, this is why you aren't president. <laughs> and I'm just, I know he's your hero and all that. And I just don't understand. It didn't make sense to me. Like, I didn't get it. So maybe you could fill me in on that one. Yeah, that's just good old fashioned trolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's nuke hurricanes. That's the answer, right? Did Trump actually. You know, everybody. That? Yeah, that, yeah. That's. I think that's, that's, that's what reported. this was. Yeah, yeah back been... on it. He he's like, oh no, I was joking, I was joking, but he was dead serious when he first said it. Similar to Maybe injecting. Maybe we throw a nuclear bomb into the hurricane. Injecting Clorox or, or whatever it was that he he was asking the doctor if that would. If yeah, that injecting. Would in, can we inject disinfectants? Can we inject bleach? Yeah, like, hey, look, you know, oh, I was just joking about that. Like, watch, watch that video. There was not a joke in there at all. That was a serious yeah. question. Like, oh, I just had an epiphany live. Oh, this is going to win me so many points. Why? Wow. Maybe the, uh, the nuclear bomb would stop the oh, yeah. hurricane, but then create <laughs> some, some additional problems. Okay, okay, so that was just pure trolling. Like, I literally, yeah. I literally yeah. saw yeah. that for the first time uh, sometime last week or the week before. It's like, I got to ask Nate what, this, what he was trying to say because it just didn't click. Yeah, I know. We, we tend to, like, for people that we really hate, we, we just kind of take them seriously when they're joking, and then we 
and then we, you know, take seriously, you know, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we don't do it. Right. I, don't, I don't hate Ben Shapiro. No, not, no, I know. I'm not really talking about you per se. Oh, I okay. might, okay. I might say Chris, but even he's more reasonable than a lot of people. <laughs> no, I, I, I hate Ben Shapiro. I'll, 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 always <laughs> yeah. I'll always go on the record for hating Ben Shapiro. I used to like Ben Shapiro, uh, probably up until right before Trump or a little bit into Trump. I don't know, but I yeah. feel like I feel like Shapiro uh, drug down that that deep well of who, who didn't though. I, I mean, pretty much, you know, it's the funniest things. Like Ben could have even told you if you listened to him in 2015, up to you know coming up to the election, he would he would have told you exactly where the party was going. And every single commentator that I listened to, they all knew that the the Republican Party was getting dragged into, you know, populism and how it was going to be such a horrible thing. But then at the end of four years, you know, everybody's everybody's on Donald Trump's side, which like like what? I mean, it does make sense to a certain degree. Right. He is the guy that you have. Right. It's you know, as long as you're not here worshiping him, like, yes, he's better than the Democrat, <laughs> you know. Oh, I would disagree with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, you I would. So. But like even even like it's just kind of like um, a, a low stance to take to say, oh, all right, well, we have a rapist in office, but at least he's better than the Democrats. Uh, you, you basically have like and we won't go down that rabbit hole. But I mean, the dude, the dude was uh, there are plenty other Republicans who arguably could have been good presidents. Um, that we ended about up that. Trump. They were I mean, Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush was a serious contender. <laughs> Jeb wasn't uh, that bad. I mean, he was—he just got ragged on, and he wasn't that bad, though. Realistically, he—he um—he would have just been another corporate, typical corporate Republican president, like uh, like a Clinton. Over to you, Chris. What, what you got? Yeah. Um, give us some live updates on this. Where we got some more people being found in the condo yeah. collapse. Yeah. Uh, actually, an hour ago, I've been following this. Like, I mean, literally just an hour ago, they found some children, which is really, really depressing. Just like, look at that. That is so bad. Yeah. Um, I've been fixating on this news story. I've been really trying to like follow it, and um, I, it's it's really interesting. Let's see if um, I had a I had another update, another story out there, and they actually what the New York Times did is they um, I won't pull it up right now, but I'll just go back to my camera. What the New York Times did is that they actually. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. I can't see oh, cool. you. I, I can't see you guys either. I think it's the bandwidth of the the storm. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, it's really weird. All the video just cut out. I can but, hear you though. All right, cool, cool. Well, well, what's real interesting is that they actually did like a layer by layer thing of the whole uh, condominium. And I think what gets really heartbreaking is one, like it really brings the life to like, wow, there's still so many missing people. But also, like, yeah. uh, the saddest thing uh, to me is there were a lot of signs that this could have happened. And for the past two and a half years, the condo board yeah. was actually just, like, bickering and fighting. It's like, well, we don't want to pay extra condo fees and we don't want to do these things. And so then the condo board right. all resigned, got replaced by people who did want to do this. And, and 70 days ago, the new board, like, finally was like, yes, we're going to pay for all these new repairs. And then here we are today. So... It just goes to show that, like, I don't know, it just hurt my soul. It's just like you, you had this collective body of decision making, and it was just like, oh, the price tag is too high, and it just, uh, I, it just sucks. I mean, there's no way around it. There's no black and white. There's no real lesson to learn from this. It's just, it just, um, bad things sometimes happen, and I, I don't know. I've just been following it real intently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like everyone's waiting for that finger 
to point at somebody and say you're to blame you're at fault and it it seems like you know a, a lot of media you've seen has been pointing or trying to point towards the condo board and the condo owners saying oh they knew about this there was reports saying there was problems two years ago but then you dig in and you see the details of these reports there was no indication of imminent danger right it was hey there's some deterioration things need to be done maintenance needs to be done uh, but there was no indication of imminent danger. There was no reason for them to think they had to get something done right away. And even the new condo board that got elected took some time to get through this and get stuff done. And their representative, from what I heard, said, like, yeah, we'd have done it faster if we realized that there was imminent danger. Nobody knew. Right. Yeah, Unfortunately. The most, the most it seems that they found was like, and it, it's concerning. It's like highly concerning is that there is like some serious issue where the pool deck is, which if you look right, at. Right. That's like, what I heard. Yeah, if you look at the layout, it's it, that's probably most likely what was the beginning of the collapse. Is like there was crumbling foundation, and they did identify they're gonna they were gonna fix this. They were gonna go through and fix the su structures, but but again, like just like you said, Tim, there was no indication this was like the whole building is gonna just uh, fall apart in the middle of the night and the near future. So this was, um, I think, like just like you said, like can some responsibility fall on some people? Maybe. But at the end of the day, it's just messy, and there's there's no winners here, and there won't be. Right. It's just everyone lost. Um, yeah. If anything, yeah. maybe there's something to be said about uh, uh, changing the last time a serious review on infrastructure of like older buildings in a place like Florida. Um, the last time they reviewed it was because of another significant building collapse, and that's why there's a 40 year review thing. Right. Right? Every 40 years, you need to be recertified. Maybe we can change that to 30 years. Like I, I can see that coming out legislatively. Maybe, like, yes, shave 10 years off that. I'm sure yeah, it's a pain it, in the butt, but it might be worth it. Well, yeah. I we heard they did it. I heard they did an impromptu inspection of uh, other other buildings in the area, and out of 24 of them, I think there were like three or four that that were found to be. Uh, oh wow! You know, in in need of um, structural, you know, reassessment or something like that. I didn't realize. I heard, that's crazy. I, I heard the one that collapsed actually has a twin. Not too far down. Oh, I heard that too. Can you yeah, imagine living there? I wouldn't be. I'd be out. Well, I'd no, they all—they're all, all in hotels right now. Um, I, the, the, you should see the picture of it. It's literally their neighbor. It's like even the twin building. Distance. The twin building is walking distance. Wow. Yeah. And there, but they all moved out of there. I I think they what they did was uh, if I remember reading correctly, either the condo or the or the the state of Florida, can't recall which one, basically said like. If you want to leave, we'll cover your hotels right now. But if you want to stay, we're not yeah. going to force you to leave. But if you, and I think a lot of people took them up on it. Uh, yeah, I would. Oh my gosh, I'd be like, you know, uh, screw mortgage and screw like uh, loss of property. I'd be like, all right, how do I, how do I get out of this, and how do I? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, if I you're looking, if anyone's looking for a cheap condo right now, I yeah, exactly. You, you can get one. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like, I imagine living on the other wait, side wait, of that wait. building would be like. You know, like, you you know, uh, Chernobyl blew up, uh, you know, reactor number four blew up. You know that they actually operated the other three reactors, like, they just kept operating them. So I imagine, I, I imagine living in the uncollapsed side of the building would kind of be like that. Like, oh, no, this is fine. This is fine. There's oh nothing wrong God. here. But, you know, I, I wanted to say, you know, like, I noticed something about, something that struck me about myself, and I assume this happens to other people as well, is how desensitized you are to the to the news cycle, right? You know, it's like, I like, honestly, I probably scrolled past this story maybe once or twice before it really sunk in. It's like, hold on, wait, hold on. 
like a, almost like half a building collapsed in Florida. There's people buried under the rubble right now. Like there's a massive humanitarian mission underway. And it's like it took probably two or three pings on my radar in order for this thing to even like to register as like, yeah, that's a tragedy. Right. And that's a tragedy that's close to home. And, you know, like like I shit, think, I might have known somebody in there. You know, I think part of it, too, is is how it was reported originally. I mean, the first few times I saw it, it was just, you know, building collapses in Florida. Okay. Like, true. It, was it condemned? True, yeah. Was it was it vacated? Well, there's so many other pieces of information that don't make me super interested in reading that article. And then you see four people dead in building collapse, and you're like, oh, okay. Right. So it was probably, a, it was then, probably an empty building that fell when it wasn't supposed right, right, to, right. and like, we're driving by, or, you know, like, okay, that that's interesting to check into. And then you start reading, and you're like, oh, there's 150 people missing, and it collapsed at 2 in the morning when everyone was probably home and asleep. Yeah. And all of those people are likely just buried in this rubble. Like, it, then then you're like, oh, my God, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's serious, serious PR from, like, Florida. Like, they were really minimizing, like, early storytelling, because it's like, if the first articles were like, you know, condominium collapsed 154 people presumed dead we'd be like oh wow that's that's bad um instead it was like building collapse like you said tim and and no i i agree though too to the sense of like the desensitivity it's um it, it did finally hit me when i was like reading like some of the stories of the people and like oh my god like these are this could have been any of us. Like the people in this yeah. place were middle class, upper middle class, you know, a couple people renting, a few vacationers. Like I, it really could have been any of us. Like, I mean, um, there was like retired gym teachers. There were like young professionals working in finance. It just, that sucks. Like um, just reading, I'm like, wow, this, this is heartbreaking. And it, it kind of brought some like sensitivity back because I think the newsreel, the news stories of our lives have really, you know, um, have messed with us where it's like, yeah, we'll read about some crazy stuff and just desensitize. But no, this this one still it hit me enough that I'm like, wow, this is really tragic. Um, uh, it it, it's just totally tragic. I mean, it's our country. Like, I love our country, and like, like we have our disagreements. But like, damn, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want yeah, I know. falling down. I, I'm now maybe just, maybe if it was a building full of rich people, right? <laughs> I don't want rich people. Well, maybe so. I don't want rich people dying, but if Jeff Bezos kind of gets lost in space, oh my god, <laughs> losing sleep over that. Um, it's been shocking to me how seemingly slow they've been able to get through the rubble as well. Yeah, I um, read an article actually addressing that. Uh, yeah, I haven't read anything, but uh, I, I, I think you have two two sides to it. One, you if you go too fast, you could hurt people that mm. are under there and the other side is if you don't go fast enough they run out of air or die from starvation or dehydration right. i mean you're down in florida it's 90 something degrees pretty sure you're in that rubble just a couple of days and it's over um yeah i guess the hope is like you know there might be some like freak like just natural natural survivors within the next two weeks but i mean really i mean we're at the point where there's been people without water for for four or five days now so yeah Unless they were right where the swimming pool was, but I'm not sure chlorinated water is gonna. Oh uh, no! I mean, we drink chlorine in the tap water every day. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I do hope that there's a Wait, pocket of 150 people. There's chlorine in the tap water. Yeah, dude. Damn, you just came in there delayed. It's probably me. Forget about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Stop drinking tap water. Let that. If there's nothing yeah. else, our viewers like get from this story. Like, purify your water. Like, it's it's pretty problematic. Also, don't drink out of plastic. Drink out of glass. That's much. 
much safer for you. So oh, who invited the liberal? Half of our audience is on well water. Who invited the liberal? Do you use I, metal straws? Well, no, I um, I uh, use glass everything. So glass straws. Uh, I don't really use straws. I mean, if I go to Starbucks, like obviously I'm not going to be a total hippie and I'll get like a plastic straw. But for the most part, I, I really do reduce like uh, my plastic. Starbucks. Although, can I just say, can I just say, um, plastic, like recycling does absolutely nothing. There's literally no reason to recycle. It literally does nothing. And this whole like scam of, oh, stop yeah. using straws because it's going to, it destroys the environment. It's like, well, yeah, you know what else destroys the environment? The plastic fucking cup you're using to put the straw in. And finally, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's recycling is like the most successful corporate ploy in the history of our country, of our world, because basically it says the responsibility of pollution is on the consumer and not on the manufacturer. When in reality, uh, recycling does nothing. There's literally nothing you recycle actually goes anywhere. It's just second trash. And we've made this idea where it's like, if we just try hard enough, everything in the environment's going to get fixed. When in reality, without large sweeping reforms, nothing's going to get fixed. You and I do nothing. We, we contribute and do nothing to the environment. Um, by Maybe it may be true in this country and specifically in certain areas and not others. I don't know, but I know in many countries recycling and those efforts do do a lot and they do work. Um, I was going to, I was going to say, I don't think I've, I don't think I've said this on stream before. When I used to work at Siemens, we had a lot of uh, Germans and German interns and other people coming over to the, to the U S plant from Germany. Um, and I was always amazed that, they would bring their own knives and forks and plates right. from yeah. home well, that rather than sense. using the uh, paper and plastic that was available in the cafeteria at the plant. And they were, they were, I mean, they were night, they weren't like pushy about it. They weren't like, Oh, why don't you do this? But they took it upon themselves. They had this, this belief and this feeling that I need to do something. And this was universal. Like every single one of them that came over was this way. And if you ask them about it, they would just say, yeah, they're like, I don't, I, you know, look, I'm not going to say anything to you about what you choose to do, but, you know, I think this is very wasteful and that's not how I want to live. It takes three seconds to wash these. Like, I'm happy to just bring them from home. Yeah. And it, and it really shows a difference in culture. Sorry for cutting you off twice. No, no, you're totally fine. I agree. <laughs> I think where, where we do make a huge difference is not by recycling, but just like by reduction and overall like use of plastic to begin with. Like, that's why I really try to use glass Tupperware. I try to use glass like um water bottles like uh they're wrapped in like this kind of like um uh, mold so they don't they don't break um it's rubber uh so it's not plastic but what really i mean recycling when it comes to, like fine minerals metals like copper aluminum yeah those things do generally honest to god matter like we should recycle those things but plastics uh rather i think i, I just want to frame that like plastics are almost impossible to recycle i mean we create this idea where you know third world countries in china were were buying our plastic for a while but then they found that they actually can't even use it. So it's just kind of stocked into these giant, giant, giant piles of of garbage, of plastic in other countries. So, I mean, um, really what we can do is we can reduce what we do, we use, like use metal forks. Uh -huh. Like that makes a difference. But it, actually like recycling plastic, I think that's like, we need to change the narrative on that. Like it doesn't really do anything. Um, yeah. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and just push back on both of you and say uh, plastic is probably the greatest one of the greatest inventions of the <laughs> 21st century. Uh, we should continue to use it. It's cheap. It's durable. It's fantastic. And just make sure that it gets into the landfill, not the ocean. We don't want turtles choking on it. I agree that 
that it's a great invention and it has pushed a, a lot forward. And I don't think that we should just like stop using it, right? Same thing with fossil fuels. I'm kind of on board with Elon Musk here that we need to look for alternatives, but in doing so, we don't just like shut off what we're doing now and right. destroy every economy in the world, right? Um, with that said, I do think we should be looking for alternatives. I think we should be trying to reduce where we can. Um, and in doing so, I think we're going to find better alternatives. Um, but, you know, you can, you yeah, can think, live in uh, yesterday like the rest of your conservative friends. <laughs> I think, look, I think uh, we'll probably need something eventually because plastic is a byproduct of oil. And once we stop, so if we, say, move full-time to nuclear, move full-time to, yeah, you know, fission or fusion or whichever we're going to do, whatever sort of, you know, fantastic uh, renewable energy, once we move off to that and we stop producing barrels of oil, we'll probably need a, a substitute. But that, I mean, it's... That's probably going to be that's probably going to be a downside rather than a positive. The fact that we no longer have plastic. I mean, just everybody, everybody's listening to this. Wherever you are, just think about all the plastic around you and how fantastic it is. I have this microphone that's encased in plastic. I have these monitors in front of me that are like ninety percent plastic. These speakers, the camera, these lights, everything around oh, me is plastic, yeah. and it's fantastic. I think, I think the the point that I and I think Tim, feel free to let me know if you disagree with this, but I think we're on the same page. It's, it's not that plastic is the issue. It's that the reconsumption of plastic is the issue. It's not that like this microphone is plastic. It's not that these computer monitors have plastic because these computer monitors are going to stay in my house for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They're not, they're not going anywhere. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I can, I can meet you there. I can meet you there. Yeah. So you're talking uh, single use plastics, probably not yeah, a good so thing. We should, we should, yeah. uh, as much as we can, we should make plastic reusable. Like we should, uh, honest to God, like it's just kind of, I think we can agree it is kind of societal laziness that we and I'm guilty of this like I go to Starbucks all the time I I'm it's societal laziness that we don't have reusable cups that we just kind of like bring in Look, multiple times you, get, you give me a good way to clean my sex doll and I'll stop using it just <laughs> oh once <my> okay <laughs> hold oh, on no. Tim there's plenty of good ways already okay <laughs> Oh, you don't. I just had to. I just had to completely break. I just wanted to just break it. That like we, right we just found out that the sex doll industry is kept afloat mostly by Tim because he just, just re, he just it's buys new ones. <laughs> Have you guys heard of uh, the mycelium plastic that they're developing? No, it's uh, nope. so from the roots of the mycelium mushroom. I, I don't know if that's the. I, I just know it's mycelium, so I don't know if it's like the strain of mushroom or the whatever or, or what, but they've been developed here. I think I, I'll pull this up. Um, they've been developing plastics from the, the, the roots of this thing, and they've made um, plastic bottles and other things. Uh, that's not pictures that's of not them. Um, they've, they've made bricks that they've built towers out of, not super tall, maybe like 20 feet, 30 feet tall. Um, this this isn't the the best article that I've seen on it. I just pulled it up while we were talking, um, but they uh, they've been able to make water bottles and other things out of this, and it is um, renewable, obviously, because they're just growing mushrooms, and it is also biodegradable, but longer term biodegradable. So it's not like uh, I, I don't know if you've seen. It, yeah, these. it doesn't decompose in the bathroom. Your your soap right, dispenser yeah. doesn't melt into a you puddle. Know, <laughs> you know, like mid drink of water, well, that's like, like right, yeah, over it's your face. You know what's the worst in the world? Paper straws. Like, like. Uh, uh, really, no, I thought. Just, listen, 
You we can't straw. have you on here if you're not a full blown social justice warrior. What did you just say? You just blasphemed. You just uh, blasphemed I, paper straws on this show. How dare you? Yeah, okay. yeah. No, it's pretty bad. I, I mean, things. but no, I hate I hate plastic stra- or paper straws. But um, I do have another story. Unless Tim, you want me to kick it back to you or Nate, if you have a story. Um, before we switch, I think it's Nate's turn. But before we switch, I want to answer a question from chat, and I guess I'll I'll throw it out to you guys to get your opinions, and then I'll give you the uh, scientific fact. Um, are electric cars a positive for the environment currently, pun intended, or will they only be good if there's a huge percentage of renewable energy going into the grid? Um, um, Nate. I, can, I can tackle one thing real quick because I have a really yep. brief comment. Go um, for and it. And I'll kick it to Nate because I, I, I can't necessarily answer the grid part of the question as well. Um, but I can say that right now, so building an electric car is not easy. It requires resources. It requires um, energy. It requires expenses that currently are like contributing to like the environment, right? Because like, you're not just like building electric cars with electricity, unfortunately. Right. No way yeah. around it. So um, something to be acknowledged is that it would be environmentally problematic if... So right now, I have, a, I have like a 2017 car. I have like 70,000, 80,000 miles on it. If tomorrow I sold my car or got rid of my car or... For whatever reason, kept my car and then bought a plastic. A plastic, you got me all messed up. Electric car on top of my current car. Well, that's just a resource that didn't need to be made because I have a perfectly fine, drivable car right now. That <laughs> you has- only want one car. <laughs> what well, kind of American are you? Me and Kayla, yeah, exactly. I, I we have a, we have two cars. We have a car for each of us, but I don't I don't need another car. And so, um, it would be wasteful. Like like repurchasing cars is more wasteful than just switching to an electric car. So what is what is definitely the most effective way for society to transition is the current cars we have, when they reach the end of their lifespan, that is when it makes the most sense to then transition into an electric car. Um, I want an electric Mustang so badly right now. I'm not going to do that, because even though I could, but because I have a great car that is currently working. So I'm ah. like, I can't just go and buy an electric Mustang, I'm going to wait, and then... You, you realize yeah. there are people that will buy your used car from you, right? Yeah, I think, I think though, however, it's like, it, it's still... I, I remember reading a study on this a while ago, because I was really thinking about... I'll define it. I was really thinking about buying an electric car, and there was a really compelling point that it's just like... It, it's kind of like, if, if 30 million people that didn't need a car now plus one a car, that's 30 million cars and all those resources that didn't technically need to be made in the first place. Um, and so the energy, the environmental contribution right. from those 30 million cars outweighs the positive of just like now having 30 million electric cars, even though, yeah, like, but there's already more cars than people. Right. Like there's already uh, enough used cars in the world. Right. That so a, what you do, I mean, that go ahead. Nate, he's making an ethical decision, Tim. What he's doing is he's universalizing his actions. He's saying, I'm doing it. what 30 million people should do. Right. No, I, I Which, get it. But the, yeah. the, the point there is. Uh, there are people who can't afford a new car, and they use used cars. And there's multiple chains of those people all the way down. And so as you sell your used car, it goes to somebody who wouldn't be buying a new one, but instead buys your used one. And the person below them buys their old used one. And eventually the person that bought this other car, their car stopped working. It's not like people are just going out and buying cars because there's more cars available. Right. Yeah, so unless yeah, you're but, unless you're keeping your car and also buying the electric car, that is adding a car to the to the to the total pool. If not, 
if it's time for you to buy a new car, if it's even if your car's working fine, like right now, I just upgraded a 2015 to a 2018, right? I don't buy brand new cars. Economically, to me, that's not worth it. But I didn't have to buy a new car, right? I needed a little more space. We wanted a nicer car for the kids, etc. I went out and bought a 2018. My 2015 is being driven by somebody else who couldn't afford what I just bought. Right? Yeah, no. like, I think I think um, if I can help convince you just a little bit, because I totally <laughs> agree with what you're saying. I totally agree. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, I have this car. Somebody else needs it. I have a new car. That person now has my car, and so on and so on. The weird thing that we're running into is this um, this this uh, kind of like problem of like of plentitude. There is plenty of like used cars that are out there right now for people to use. Um, so if you wanted a used car and you couldn't afford a good one, you can go buy a 2003 car. If you can get a little bit nicer, there's 2010 cars out there, like an abundance of them. And the reason for that is the last 20 years of cars are more reliable, more long lasting, more durable, more fuel efficient than any other car in our history. So like 2004 cars are still driving in 2021 and they probably will be for another couple of years. So there's been a huge abundance of cars. So for me plus 29 million people to go out and buy an electric car today probably doesn't make sense it probably will make sense once the life expectant what once our cars genuinely really like when i'm at 190,000 miles uh, i'm probably not gonna wait that long but but i guess you get the point like, yeah. when, I'm in, when i'm in the deep six figures yeah. uh mileage and i'm like all right reliability is now becoming a little bit more of a concern there's maintenance issues that's when it would make sense but when i only have 75 85 thousand miles on a 2017 car that drives beautifully it doesn't make sense to to, to throw it down the chain of cars when there's already an abundance just again you should go live in cuba oh stop it <laughs> i've been to cuba i love cuba they drive like 1950s cars they just keep they fixing do. them up yeah yeah i i, uh, I, I nate, pull a picture for you <laughs> yeah nate what's yeah, your thoughts me, on on electric cars? yeah 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 so so um the thing to think about with the with the the electric cars is well we did learn something here on this show which I'll help relate maybe Tim will say this um, but the 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 methods of generating the power for the electric car and the methods of generating power for the gas car is um, different and it's more efficient for the electric car right so generating the electricity at the plant and then sending it to your car is actually more efficient than having a small internal combustion engine we talked about that the last time we tried to do climate <laughs> uh um the 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 big impact that i would draw people's attention to the issue with electric cars which i actually have no problem with i hope someday that i'll have a tesla um if the big issue that you're running into is is that, from what I understand, mining cobalt, which is a key component of electric cars, is it's hazardous to the environment. And I'm not exactly sure how. I, I haven't actually looked into this, but apparently it's very hazardous to the environment, so much so that the EPA won't let us uh, mine it in this country. And so what happens is, is that it gets mined in other countries, like um, in some of the African countries, and instead yeah. of adhering to uh, ethical um, U.S. labor laws, they use child labor, they use child slaves. So um, while, while, while that's not necessarily a component of electric cars, that certainly is a component of it right now. So um, anybody ethically looking at electric cars, you might want to weigh that in. And that, that's basically all I have to say. Electric cars are probably pretty good for the, but other than that. Just I real would, quick, just uh, this was my, my time when I was in Cuba. And uh, we click oh. on here. This, there we go. Look at those cars. That's very pretty. Look at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Like a little jade 
Little jade they, they 50s don't get Chevy. Import uh, imported cars, so they just they have to just fix them up and keep driving them. Yeah, uh, to your point, right. Nate, I would recommend not buy if you want to be socially conscious. Don't buy uh, your fiance a diamond. Most of them are blood uh, diamonds. I bought her an ethical diamond. Thank you very much. So, I bought um, I bought a ethically sourced. See? Uh, See? Diamond. <laughs> I'm not even joking with you. No, I, I believe you. I believe you. I love it. I love it. It's it's fitting. It's, it's amazing. I actually, uh, Kalen would kill me right now because I don't remember the type of stone I bought, but I I, <laughs> I actually really went into it to make sure I, I researched. I was like, yep. it was either that or I was gonna ma- buy a lab made diamond, and I chose to go with the 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 right the ethically sourced. Yeah, there's 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 websites out there that they actually list like okay, this is where the diamond was mined, this is how we got it, and this is the price. This is cut clarity, like all the all the stuff that they go through on that. I recommend for anybody out there find a website like that. Make sure that you're not not buying a, a cheaper, you know, slave mined diamond. Like it really matters if if you make that ethical decision here in in the rich countries, it does flow down to the other countries. Um, right, so to kind of clo- to close out some a little bit on the electric car thing. Um yeah, Nate, you're 100% right. You know, we did talk about it before, um, but to, to go back at it, internal combustion engines, uh, engines in cars are extremely inefficient. On average, uh, the car you drive is probably somewhere in the 30 to 35% efficient range uh, on the gasoline put in. So most of it is wasted in friction, uh, in heat generation, sound, whatever, right? Most of it's in heat. Uh, the most efficient combustion engines which aren't really in cars but you know just kind of built for efficiency are like 50 percent is the most that's the most efficient they've they've gotten right what would that be like a, a massive plant generator uh it's not it's not that it's just that the it's that the engine itself has been designed in ways to maximize efficiency but it's extremely expensive it probably uses i don't know the all the details right. it probably uses specific materials and design techniques that may not be optimal for like a smooth ride or for longevity or other things so um yeah so i mean you're looking at 30 to 35 percent in your car where it is um i i don't know what power plant efficiencies are offhand i guess i can look them up but i i believe they're in the high 80s and 90s for most yeah uh as far as energy conversion of the fuel into electricity you then have losses along the transmission lines, which are, you know, in the, uh, depends on how far you are from the plant and the infrastructure and all that. But I, I believe that's in the like fives and tens percents on the high ends for most of those. That's why they take them to high voltage lines because you don't lose energy when you're transmitting high voltage like you do if you're transmitting high current. Um, so that's why you have all the transformers and all that stuff to, to, to limit those losses. And I think they're probably even less than what I was saying, five and 10, but you'd have to look it up. Um, but I do know electric motors cause I did a lot of work on those. Uh, and most electric motors are in the high 90%, uh, efficient. Right. So from the electricity, so if you combine clear, all that together, you're not even getting close to 30, 35%. Yeah. Long, you know, no, you're not. So they're massively, massively more efficient, not to mention, um, the, the, environmental regulations and scrubbers and things that are put onto power plants uh coupled with a lot of the different green energies that are starting to come into play uh make the energy generation a lot cleaner than gasoline to begin with right your your car burning gasoline versus the power plants burning natural gas or other things your car is a lot dirtier as well so 
across the board from from the fuel consumption and the energy consumption electric vehicles are a lot more uh, environmentally friendly you then compare the manufacturer you're either buying a combustion engine or an electric car so you really just have to compare the battery and the motor to the engine um, and I'd say the battery and motor are a bit more environmentally impactful at this point, uh, but those are one-time things. Hopefully, those you know, the batteries last 20, 30, 40 years, uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Um, yeah, that's the hope. So, uh, one last, so we're talking efficiencies here, but how does 30% gas efficiency equate to 90% electric generation efficiency in relation to CO2? Uh, specifically to CO2? Uh, how well, does... coal to gasoline is not a one-for-one CO2 emissions, but, but what Tim's getting at is generally, you could probably you could generally say per unit of CO2 emitted, you could even say it this way, you could say per unit of CO2 emitted, you're going to have much more efficiency from the coal plant than you are from the gasoline engine. Now, again, that's not a one-for-one, yeah. one, but that's basically what he's driving at. Yeah, there's a lot more digging in and getting numbers to, to, to say 100%, Daniel. But, but yeah, generally, you're going to have a lot less CO2 output from electric vehicles as a whole. Um, but, you know, that's... Go see our podcast linked up above somewhere down below. <laughs> yeah, our, our, uh, our <laughs> long-winded... Uh, environmental or what was it uh, global warming or whatever climate yeah. change climate change that's what it was there was a really deep talk on that yeah hey let me uh let's 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 go to my news story here this is something that i've been wanting to talk about i thought about making this a big topic but um you know uh i thought i, I decided against it. it's mostly just a good news story so this I, I i was i was curious chris i don't know if you saw this i know i put it in our in our uh, group chat but i don't know if you uh read up on this or anything about this but california no, evidently has uh state employee travel bans to other states in the united states wow do you know about this no i haven't read that yet that's crazy so um i, mean, I can i can partially well i'll make this quick i can get at it i mean there, there are states that are vehemently doing anti-mask things, and and the issue is we're now we've now developed a, a new variant that might even impact people that have vaccines, and that that sucks. It's it's not that kind of travel ban. Oh yeah, what's the travel ban? Yeah, let me let me let me read this out for you. So, <clears throat> um, California added five more states, including Florida, to the list of places where state-funded travel is banned because of laws that discriminate against members of the LGBTQ community. Um, a total of 17 states. Oh, yeah. Um, there's the new ones are Florida, Arkansas, Montana, <laughs> North Dakota, and West Virginia. A direct quote from the guy who announced this, who's the, uh, he's the state attorney. He said, make no mistake. We are in the midst of an unprecedented wave of bigotry and discrimination in this country. And the state of California is not going to support it. So well, that the, 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 the travel ban is not for citizens. The travel ban is for state employees. Yeah, um, and I'm and there guessing it's for state for employees on the state dollar, like for work. Yes. Well, first, yes. there can't possibly be that many people that on state-sponsored work are traveling from California to Florida. I can't imagine there's a lot of people. Well, now there's zero. <laughs> well, now there's so so. It seems to be you know if it's if it's safe to say like it seems to be a very political like PR related move because uh, first and foremost this probably impacts virtually nobody like. Like it maybe it impacted yeah, a Californian probably. rescue team to the condos in Miami that could have been paid to go. Oh, send. you know who it does affect? 
Who? Any of the any Santa of the Claus. state teams. Any of the state teams, they don't get uh, funding to go play games in other states. Oh, wow. Yeah, which just means that it just comes out of somebody else's pocket. Like, it just means the individual... Right, they have to get donations or they have to pay for it themselves. Yeah, it'll, just be, it'll fall on uh, another way, so... I don't like that mentality, though, Chris. I mean, of, of, I don't either. I don't. Of, of I, I, like saying, like, well, you know, well, at least it doesn't impact anybody, so it's fine. No, like, no. What I'm saying is, like, like I disagree with it. I'm just saying, like, as a, as a state, I can see, I can see a state public official saying, "How can we make a big statement against anti-LGBTQI laws? Let's ban state travel because it doesn't impact us." What does I very- stand for? Intersex. I think it's intersex. I'll be honest, I don't know. I just respect that there's a new letter, and so... Gotcha. I, I just hadn't... Yeah, I just didn't know. Yeah, I no, I, I'm I was not... genuinely asking, I'm not trying to spotlight you. I no, totally, know. totally. <laughs> um, no, you're good, you're good. But yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I totally agree. I think this is... this is uh, It doesn't do any good to anybody. It is just... I can see the pol- the politician wheel in the background. It's like, right. oh, okay, I can see why they would do this, because it's a politically like advantageous move in California, and it... it but it means nothing. Like, it means nothing because there's very few people, if any, that it impacts. And so, however, I think it's a dumb, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I disagree with it. But I can just, I'm just kind of like, as like, I guess the uh, the in-house somewhat politician, that is, <laughs> that is why somebody would do that move. Because there's very, there's very little consequence, like, uh, from a political standpoint. Yeah, I... I hate it on multiple fronts. One, I think it, it builds silos, right? You're you're trying to isolate ideologies. What like I, I don't I get the idea yeah. of like, hey, we don't want to support your state, we're not gonna send people there or something, but like at the same time you're not sending people that have the ideology you have that may somehow spread it some while they're there, right? Um I just it doesn't I don't <laughs> hardly. I mean, if you're in the California government, you're very unlikely that you're going to catch conservatism. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but it's like also context matters so much. The people we're around, the people that we we actually have discourse with, generally like molds and reshapes the way we think. And so I'm sure, Nate, I'm sure you've left this podcast with a bit more left ideas before. And I I leave this podcast totally. There are conservative things that I, I could have never have imagined agreeing with right now that i've now put into like my portfolio of beliefs and so it, by getting people like we do here around other people it gives humanity and it also gives like word of mouth um influence on like hey this is why i believe what i believe and it, it does honestly change right. people and to take that away does nothing it does it doesn't get your um so like for the viewers like on the left i would first and foremost yeah I, I am 100% against these states that are actively putting in laws, practices, policies that, uh, that, that are prejudiced and, and uh, essentially obstruct justices that are owed to those of the LGBTQI community. With that said, like, I also disagree with California because we should, there's other ways to discipline. Um, maybe there's a financial way to discipline, but this doesn't, this is a PR move. This is, uh, uh, this doesn't create any right. productivity. Right. And, and then I would, of course, say that the legislation that's being introduced uh, does not merit this travel ban. But, I mean, obviously we would disagree with that. However, I did also want to point out that California does not even have a travel ban on China. California has a travel advisory level three 
which is considered please reconsider your travel. It does not have an outright travel ban to China, which is in, actively engaged in genocide right now. So okay. like when you're talking PR stunt, like PR stunt, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like think about, think about like, it's not only that, right? Like, think about where Disney's based out of and where all the film industry's based out of. Like, like Disney just shot a movie. Disney's you know, opening up branches up in China. Disney's just loving China, 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 right? And they're, they're a California-based company. So it's like, like it's yeah, just, it's incredible to me that... that isn't, isn't that, isn't it a little bit different? The, I could be wrong, but I believe the page you just pulled up is the, is the state's advisory to the citizenship... Yes. Not, not was, their, it certainly is different and not like their, this is not for government yeah, people. Yeah. So what, what does it say about Florida on there? <laughs> uh, I will I'll see if I can figure out how to find that on here. Well, for what it's we worth, can, I mean, if I can just roll my my news story in this as well, I think it, it flows really well. I don't even need to make it a separate story. It just goes in hand in hand with what you just said. Like China's literally building 100 new missile silos like Today this came out. Uh, Washington. Somebody Post literally just drew a bunch of circles on a picture. <laughs> there are some satellite images if you scroll down, but um, <laughs> here's where they are. Just trust me. In the second grade, I know what Microsoft Paint looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, for what it's worth, we should be concerned by China that is not going away, and China is committing genocide and human rights violations, and we need to start punishing them financially for these things because. Uh, we're not going to go to war. That makes no sense. Nobody wins. But like, it is it is increasingly problematic, and it's just it's just mind blowing that that we're in a society that we kind of like like let's love and peace everybody. But it's like, oh my gosh, China's only building nu nuclear silos. There's no love and peace. Like, there's there's tunnels where they are carrying Rohingya Muslims, so we can't get aerial photos of them. Like, there's literal genocide in re-education camps. Yeah. Uh, and can, can anybody tell me one time in history where re-education camp meant a good thing? Uh, it's, the, the, it's, like the, it's the PR stunt for concentration camp. There's not right. a lot we can do Yeah, at but this that's point. not the be-all. We, 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 can, we can start pulling back, but it's yes. going to be a slow, yes. it's gonna be a need slow to. thing. And that's, yeah. like, like, that's like I mean, top priority for me. Like all the other crap that's going on. Like Russia, Russia has an economy the size of Texas. Like forget about Russia. Nobody cares about them. Like Russia cares about Russia. Focus on China. Get us independent of them. Well, it does seem that I, I was glad to see that Biden in his, in, in his infrastructure bill, which is this is part of the bipartisan version of it, includes like 50 billion specifically like earmarked for like chip development in, in the United States to start it's, like, that's, which is which is awesome. Like, let's just. Flush these uh, companies with cash, so this way we can uh, start developing our own microchips. Because that's one place in China, Beijing specifically, that is like, wow, that is some serious concentrated power. We do develop our own microchips. We just don't manufacture them. Yeah, well, that's that, that's the issue. The manufacturing side of it is what we're investing in. Because yep. I think China has like a control, like fifty, sixty percent of the global market of chip yeah. production. Ta cool. Taiwan has like. 49 of the other 50 percent <laughs> no no them. joke there's yeah. there's like two no, or three for them, major though. factories worldwide everybody really buy good. taiwanese used to be buy usa buy taiwanese stuff <laughs> we gotta they gotta be able to afford our missiles so that they can uh stay uh independent <clears throat> you know i saw a hilarious yeah. meme it, it said um it, it was like a map of china and taiwan it said taiwan and then west taiwan for the rest of china <laughs> <laughs> 
someday maybe. Yeah, never know. Someday. Did you guys hear uh, to, to change gears a, a little bit? Did you guys hear about the um, presidential historian survey that finally came out? No, so they, the, the, no. They've been doing it after each. Um, is it each president or each election? I'm not sure. Since 2000, at least, and there's been others before that. Uh, and so I can pull it up here. Um, and so it, they rank them from you know from best to worst, and they they can change, right? So George Washington used to be third, now he's second, right? Uh, whatever people go up and down. Right, uh, right, you right. can see Obama has only got two rankings because. Um, right, right, you know, yeah, fair enough. He wasn't president back. He in would only days have there. two rankings. Yeah, back in them third days. <laughs> uh, so anyway, if you scroll all the way down here near the bottom, you find Mr. Donald J. hanging out. Uh, uh, right next to right Franklin, like, who are those people? Which which president was it that literally served like thirty two days in office? Wasn't it is it Buchanan? Okay. Or no, it's not Buchanan. I don't know. Trump's Trump's worse than him. Anyway, so how, you know, how did they look? Yeah. I don't want to nitpick, but how did they? What did they do? Who who did, what, like they ask people like what is this? Is it, this an opinion a, survey? It is a conglomeration of, I mean, you can see who, who it is, of like a, a good chunk of historians and uh, presidential um, followers, basically, like just experts in, in, in the field of presidents, mostly going to be historians and other such, but... Um, Looks like a bunch of liberal shills to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's probably some of that, but if you look, like, you can look and see that there, there are still both Democrat and Republicans all throughout, up on the top and the bottom everywhere. So um not to be to be fair, historically we didn't have such the Is that is that divide. George W. Bush like right smack dab in the middle there? There you go. Four ninety five. Yep. Old yep. W. Old W. Um so anyway, I thought that was interesting. And then I I pulled it up on the good old Wikipedia, which is, you know, nothing can be wrong on Wikipedia. And uh this is this shows you the ranking from the different these different locations, right? So, uh, C-SPAN, oh, a bunch of different, okay, Wall Street Journal, you know, like different, uh, huh. different. So this is two thousand, two thousand five or nine. So both C-SPAN, <laughs> but and uh, you know, down here, whoop, whoop, down here is Mr. Trump, right above Biden. <laughs> so, so Biden, you know, he. Maybe the worst president ever right now. We'll see. Right, because he has, he has, yeah, he, he would have zero results. <laughs> he doesn't have a ranking yet. Um, but I, I'm, this is, this is actually sorted by president. Yeah, that looks, could, yeah, I was going to say that looks like chronological there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just thought I'd play the, the fun game. You actually want to look at the, the numbers here and the colors. So green is good, <laughs> right? Then blue, then yellow, then, well, there's Donald with a bunch of red, but, um, that says fourth place to me. That's all that means. Uh, fourth quartile. He is in the fourth, fourth quartile. Place. That's that's behind. Yeah. Uh, that's behind the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> yeah. So I I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting little that is interesting little thing that came out. I thought I thought I'd throw it out there. Um, and I guess if we're gonna stay on Trump, since that was a quick one, I'd been seeing a bunch of articles. Uh, over the last couple of days saying, you know, New York, I think it was New York, but uh, 
Trump expected to be charged with tax evasion and da 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 And even as early oh, as yeah. this morning saying it was going to happen on Thursday. I just oh, yeah. saw this. That's right. I was hearing right, about that. I saw this right before the podcast started, so I really had a chance to read through it fully. I, I skimmed yep. it. Um, but it looks like typical Trump fashion, all his followers and supporters get screwed, and he walks away scot clean. You know, let, let me... Clean, but. <laughs> Let me uh, let me rephrase that title for you. Trump's CFO did some illegal shit, and Trump didn't. Dude, this is <laughs> Fox. This is on Fox. You don't have to twist I, your own you twisting. You can't tell me that if the CFO did something illegal, that Trump wasn't somehow involved or knowledgeable of it. You can't That's tell me that. That's pure speculation, there, homie. That's pure speculation. Let me rephrase it. The first employee of Trump. Ever to be charged with a criminal? Oh no! Wait, the only <laughs> remaining employee of Trump that wasn't charged with criminal activity now has been. Like, at some point, you have to just realize that he is as crooked as you can get, and he's really eh, good at shielding himself, what you like, want to like mobsters there. and other things. Right? Like, Look at, I, hey, I've been watching Narcos, and I'm just saying, like Pablo Escobar uh, was, <laughs> was only charged with minimum drug trafficking, and yeah. Like it just at this point, I I've accepted that we live in a very flawed society where the rich and powerful are not held to the same legal standards as the three of us. So well, they, well let me just let me ask you about that. Tax. So I wanted to well well because there's also very elaborate systems of this that and the other thing and some things get quasi illegal and whatnot like it, it gets complicated for sure. But um, Chris, I've been wanting to ask you kind of about this kind of stuff. So like. The, the Southern District of New York um, Attorney General or whatever it was, I believe I, I believe I have the correct station there. She she got elected basically on the promise that she was going to prosecute Donald Trump for crimes. And she was not specific about what crimes because they don't know what crimes that Donald Trump had committed at the time. Yet she got elected on that campaign promise. And so since then, the Southern District of New York has been a hammer in search of a nail at the Trump uh, organizations looking for crimes that they're not aware of. And I got to like I got to ask you like is how is that fair at all? That the that so Trump was a very anti-establishment character, right? Especially in New York. They took particular offense to him. So the establishment came after him looking for crimes. And I'm not saying that, you know, if he if he committed the crime, he doesn't deserve to go to jail for it. What I'm saying is is that how is that fair that your that you being the anti-establishment candidate brings all of this down on you? When all, when you're just like, like how how's that fair? Your political opponents get to not only target you but get elected on the basis of targeting your organizations. How is it I fair believe- that by by putting myself in the national spotlight and bringing massive attention and division to the country because of my actions and to myself that oh, oh, people well, are going so to actively investigate? My actions. Every, so every divisive, you're, te- you're telling me that every candidate out there that's divisive gets to have all that gets to have their whole life turned over with a fine tooth comb by the IRS in the Southern District of New York, uh, with without knowing that there's a crime. Well, I'm, let I'm me just say it this way: like first and foremost, if the narrative you gave was is accurate, then yeah, I would agree that's that's unfair. Um, secondly, I'm just going to quickly: all presidents, anyone who runs for public office just has to accept their life's going to be turned upside down and they're going to be judged as if they're supposed to be something they're not. And that's just the reality of it. Every single public off, uh, official 
is a human. You know, who am I to cast the throne, right? The, the, the stone, that type of mentality. But yet we all cast the stone. Finally, to my understanding, and I have to do some review on this because I'm definitely yeah, on the spot yeah. right now. Yeah, I know you're accepting my premise, so... I, I so believe there was correct. a significant amount of suits that wanted to be brought before Trump, but when you're the president, you can't be sued. And so I think there were financial issues, settlement cases, tax evasion, uh, you know, there's sexual assault cases. Right. These things couldn't actually be brought before the president because he was the president. But now that he's not the president, there's now the ecosystem, there's the breathing room to now finally bring suits against him. I think that is where I would imagine she campaigned on, but I could be wrong. But I, I think that's where these suits are materializing. At least that's from the little I've read on it. That's what the left is most likely um, would say. Yeah, and I was, I was going to say that too, is that I had, I had heard that the, all of these different um, charges and investigations were... Uh, trying to be underway or waiting for him to not be president to get underway because of of exactly what chris said so i don't i don't if your premise is true it is what i was trying to say before is it's not fair but it is what you expect when as chris said better than i did entering the public servant realm that's what happens to you right like unfortunately fortunately however you want to look at it uh your entire life is is picked through and that's kind of the direction that i was trying to say originally right so um, I just, I think it's. I, I, <laughs> let me just say, if I ever run for office, you better believe <laughs> some some PR firm is going to have like twenty interns watching every second yeah. of this podcast. You're going to see. Run, oh my god! Yeah, they're like, oh, clip it, clip it, clip it. You're going to see. <laughs> plus just said he hates four. paper straws. <laughs> you're going to see at least plus forty views on every single one of our podcasts. Like, hmm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, hey, thanks, you guys. Uh, you guys got us monetized. You pushed us over the hill there. We appreciate yeah. it. Now we don't need this job. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I, anyway, I just I, thought I thought it was I, interesting that the CFO got hit and and Trump didn't. But uh, there's they, everything I saw said they were going to charge Trump tomorrow. So I don't know if that article from Fox was premature or not. Like they may still come out and charge Trump. They just got the CFO today. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I know they were trying to get him to flip. I got to say, look, if I if if that story again, if we accept the story's premise, uh, like all of the news cycle about it, which I have a hard time doing, but if we accept the premise um, that they've been leaning on the CFO and trying to get him to flip on Trump, and he didn't talk, I mean that CFO's like as soon as he gets out of jail, hire him for your company, <laughs> because that guy that guy you know it didn't make a deal. No, like I don't know if there was a deal to make, so maybe that's why he didn't make it, but like. No, he, he didn't flip maybe, on Trump. Maybe the CFLO knows that Trump was really close with Epstein and, and McAfee. And oh, both of those it. guys were about to flip. Oh, God. So. McAfee. <laughs> Did you guys hear McAfee, McAfee apparently had sex with a whale? I bet he did. I'm not even surprised. No. Did, you yeah. know, did you know McAfee was saying that if he ever committed suicide that it was murder? He's recorded saying, "Yeah, that. I did hear that. I did, but that dude was—I, if you've ever heard that guy talk, like, oh yeah, oh yeah, he's—he's he's, first of all almost always on drugs, and second of all, he's a paranoid. He's I, like clinically paranoid. He, he is, but maybe his paranoia maybe for made him millions. He, he did kill a guy. He's crazy. He's, yeah, he, didn't kill yeah, he was so crazy. much money, right? Like he was so paranoid. He's like, people are going to infect my computer with viruses. I need to figure <laughs> yeah. out a way to prevent that. <laughs> yeah." That's how I got rich in the first place. Then, yeah. No, that was back when that was back when uh, antivirus could be a simple script looking for a, a profile. Uh, you know, like 
looking for settings on your computer that are flipped in certain directions. It's like, okay, you have this virus because that's all viruses do. And so he put that together. Somebody offered to make him a company. He made the company, got became a, a multimillionaire, and then uh, proceeded to lose his mind and go uh, have a harem in Belize or South, whatever, South America. He's been yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, he's, he's a figure. He certainly he lived said his he life. He enjoys life. You know, he said, I enjoy life. Yeah. I would never kill myself. I enjoy my life. I love me. Uh, what are you saying? I, I don't that know. That I, I believe, as crazy as he was, I do believe that he loved himself and enjoyed life. But I also I believe that. I, 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 I think it's possible. Because I, I, I also believe that if you love life and yourself that much, and then you realize you're going to be stuck in this type of cell for the rest of it, yeah. that uh, you may not love it as much anymore. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Wait, did he die? Yeah, he died. You didn't know that? Oh, that's the story. Oh my gosh, no, I thought we were just talking about him. Yeah, no, we, we didn't even have that story. We just brought it. Somebody, somebody, did you oh, say McAfee? Wow. I said, yeah, I yeah, said yeah. McAfee is a joke, assuming everybody knew. If you didn't know, McAfee no, committed no suicide in Spanish prison. John uh, McAfee, waiting, yep. Waiting to be extradited to the United States. Correct, and the, wow. the extradition was finally approved, and then he... Yeah. Committed suicide. What, what so, was the crimes for? What, what was the extradition over? Uh, tax issues. Murder. Tax issues. Tax issues. No, the mur- the murder thing's gone. They never. They they tried him for that. They, they or they tried. They they never no were able to find. Yeah, the murder thing's over. No, he fled the country. Yeah. They like for everything I heard. I I listened to a like a half hour on this the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were saying like, yeah, they everyone basically knows he did this. Uh, yeah. they, they wow. there's no way, nothing they can do about it. And cause there's no evidence. And apparently, uh, in Belize, zero ever murders have been solved based on forensic evidence or something like that. Like, right. Zero. Yeah. But they had him in custody. They were ready to throw him. You know, it's like, they it's didn't a crazy story. There. You, you should, it, anybody who's listening to this, like seriously, like stop watching us, go watch the documentary on John McAfee, where this, this guy yeah. goes through his life and he does a bunch of interviews. It's it is the craziest thing, right? He's he's down there. He's got this old elderly neighbor. The neighbor, he thinks, poisoned his dog, so he hires a hitman to kill him. And then the oh, government wow. finds out about it, so he... Uh, oh, allegedly, by the way. He five allegedly, grand. Five grand. Right, yeah. Not that much. <laughs> right, because yeah. it's not that hard to Don't get away with murder in that country. If you have someone that doesn't like you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get grand. them to go with you down to Belize, and then you'll be okay. Oh so so God. so he's trying to leave the country. He gets arrested, right? And as he's getting arrested, he has a heart attack and he goes to the hospital and then from the hospital he manages to get out of the country. <laughs> like and then uh he just never went back. Wow. So he he had a, a very interesting life. Uh I got to go rewatch for, this. But that was yes. in like 2019. I don't all that think was it was happening. that recent. I think he'd been uh, in the states. He no, he was like running for president in 2016. Mm-hmm. Like he was, yeah, he was like the libertarian candidate. That's crazy too. Watch he, that too. He got beat by Gary Johnson. Yeah, he did. well, the to liber- say he got beat by ticket. Gary Johnson is to insinuate that he had a, a, a snowball's chance in hell. Well, that's but he was trying, right? Like Gary Johnson ran with that ticket instead. Right. But yeah, but yeah, that all was right. I think. But I think all that stuff was in 2019. The murder and all that was in 2019. I think. I thought not, but go watch it, people. It's it's all it's right. worth it. It's it'll uh, it'll open your mind, and then watch all the watch all the videos that he put out himself, like trying to uninstall McAfee. Look that up. It's hilarious. Okay, um, 
All right, it looks like it's we are at the half hour mark. I think uh, it's just about time to switch to our main topic tonight, which is uh, universal basic income. And Tim, you were the one you uh, you were the one who uh, I believe you were the one who wanted to talk about this, right? Yeah, um, I, I I I know we've talked about it before, especially during the president presidential election when Yang was um, you know popular and that right. was his big running topic. I'd been thinking about it more recently, less from a specific uh, standpoint of how would it work, how would you fund it, what would it do economically and all that, but I think it'd be interesting to rehash a couple of those topics again, uh, but more just along the line of, I was thinking on it kind of from a philosophical standpoint. Um, right. And so what got me thinking about it was um, if you if you think back, in human civilization back to when we were hunter gatherers and you had everyone in tribes of you know maybe 30 people 28 of those people had a daily job of finding food finding berries finding whatever uh to feed everybody building shelters to house everybody getting water whatever right like main activities to just keep everybody alive that was everybody's daily work right and then as we started to advance in technology and get animal husbandry and farming techniques and other things, we were able to spend less time on that. And so we started spending more time on quality of life things, uh, you know, building, getting better educated, um, better buildings, better technologies, continuing to advance in that way. And here we are today, right? And rather than Daniel... Shut it. <laughs> <laughs> What'd he say? He said he said the tribes were thirty-two people, not to nitpick. Um <laughs> so so um so anyway, yeah. So here we are today where the vast majority of labor put into the economy is not for main sustenance or um to put roofs over people's heads or give them water or anything like that. It's right. it's for right. it's for other things, right? Those right. are expected at this point in our lives. Those are like the minimal, um, the minimal things that you would get, and they're not that expensive to maintain. All right. in all, yeah, like food, food production is. I think the statistic of people who work in um, farming and agriculture is it's down from like ninety eight percent of the population to like four or two percent of the population. The people directly involved with the old industries yeah. of keeping us breathing is is just astronomically low and it's getting lower um right right i another thing that brought this to mind today i was watching um a documentary well not not quite a documentary but some videos on vertical farming um, oh, yeah. and th- th- almost the entire thing was automated they had robots that that moved the plants down, watered them, did things, put them back. You know those automated robot arms, right? Efficient too, because they're just squirting water exactly where they need to as well. Yeah, so uh, they're able to to even from today's standards significantly reduce labor input. Mm-hmm. Uh, top of that, it's more efficient. They were talking about like seven hundred times the the growth rate because they can be so precise with nutrients. Yeah, with everything. And, yep. Like it, it's insane. Yeah. But anyway, back on topic, I will vortex hard on that one. Um, so it got me thinking, right? If if so little 
of the GDP or labor that's put into this country from the entire working class is for sustenance. And, and even with that said, like the amount of food I eat or you guys eat or the type of housing we have um, or, or the type of, of water or nutrition we have, I mean, a water bottle is uh, drinking from water, bottle water, you know, that kind of stuff compared to just having tap water. Like we drink and eat and are housed at a much higher level than we even need to be. So to be able to provide income for people to to have those things, to, to make sure those things never go away, right? To find some level of income. I don't know what it is, right? I don't know if it's $1,000 a month, $5 a month, a million dollars a month, you know, whatever range you want to you wanna find. It's probably in that $1,000 a month range, you know. You know what? If our proposal is $5 a month, it's okay. All right. It's fine. <laughs> you want to have your socialism, I'll let you have that a little bit. Yeah. So it's probably in that thousand dollar a month range would be my guess, uh, but I mean it could, it could even it could it's probably significantly less than that if you want to just be basic about it, right? Um, to make sure you have food, right? How much does it cost to eat three cheeseburgers a day from McDonald's? Three dollars. <laughs> you have three cheeseburgers a day for three dollars. There you go. You're fed. Um, so it got me thinking. Like, what would it, what would the impact be really to the economy if we were providing? level of income to everybody to meet these most basic sustenance needs. And so I started thinking from that aspect rather than just the, the political right. aspect of how's like, it going to be funded? Right. Yes. What's it mean yes, politically? Yes. Why is it a good thing or bad thing to run on this type of campaign? Um, and I thought it'd be fun to hear your guys' opinions on, on it from that aspect, at least to start. Um, looking at it from that aspect, you know, as we continue to automate, as we continue to reduce the amount of labor that's required to provide these essential things, it makes it cheaper, essentially, for us to guarantee those things for society. So even though in the past it was difficult for us to do, and, and so we've never done it, now that we're getting into a time where it is something that we possibly could provide without impacting most people very much at all, um, you know, is it something you'd you think we should do or could do? And uh, what are your thoughts? I have done... So, yeah, I pretty much agree. I mean, I think we should do a version of universal basic income. And I, I took it from a little bit of a different side. So the philosophical side of this, I think I'm already like on that deck. And so um, for me, it was like, how can I logically understand and wrap my head around UBI? So I feel like, Tim, you and I have like switched roles a little bit because I, I actually have graphs and numbers and all that right now. So... Um, I actually, I'm sure he does too, but we're, we're just doing general takes on it at this point. I think we can probably get into more details in a little bit. Sure. And I won't get in the weeds yet, but for me, I think then that when we look at a society as a whole, um, I believe we are judged by how we treat our lowest members. I think that's like a major principle of the, of the left is like, how do we treat the lowest members of society and not to get morbid or dark humor or anything, but it's like, Basically, there's one of only a few things we can do for those people that are severely struggling with poverty, homeless, drug addicts. We either do nothing, which is kind of what we do uh, in, in many respects. We kill them, so now they're not a burden of society, or we actually help them. And I'm very much on the side of the fence that we actually help them. But those are when, I, when we just look at the cards on the table, that's what society can do. Finally, um, beyond that, I truly believe, and I have a lot of 
fun information I'll get into that will back this claim up. I truly believe that UBI uh, does not disincentivize work at an aggregate level. When we look at, in terms of normal distribution, some people work more, some people work less, some low-paying jobs will be subsidized, some high-paying jobs will be subsidized. However, at the end of the day, I think what this really allows us to do as well is make for a society that can invest, invest in the parts of it that currently are not financially feasible, the arts, um, creation, those types of things that really to me are worth living for. And finally, more than anything else, I think it actually breathes life into the room for innovation. There's so, there's so much potential of, you know, if we are able to help those people that are struggling, that are, were born with high IQs, but maybe they're in a, a zip code that is, is uh, predominantly poor. We can change the game and, and breathe life into more geniuses. We can help. There, it, there's, a, there's a whole study on this idea of, like, of the Einstein uh, problem. Why in the 21st century do we not have more Einsteins because we have more people? And the answer is we actually do have more of them. They just never get fully realized because if we look at second, third, fourth grade math IQ scores, a lot of those potential innovators, engineers, designers, game changers with these massively high IQs are in zip codes that don't allow them to actually flourish. Uh, so this, I truly believe, helps society get to that place. So those are my ideas and I have a lot of a lot of facts and figures to back it up, but Nate, I'll kick it to you. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, so uh, I'll definitely kick back on some of those. I don't know if I'll do so directly right now in my summary, um, but I mean, we can start with something super easy about UBI, which is that it's the price is astronomical, right? It's it's it, you know I mean, we're we're used to the T word now trillions, but you know it would be trillions of dollars. Uh, of money, um, and we only take in the federal government in 2020 only took in like uh, three trillion in revenue, so or, or less actually, or around there. I have the stat pulled up. We'll talk about that later. But I mean, it's a significant portion of the federal revenue as it stands. So you're either going to have to raise taxes, or you're going to have to raise taxes, or you're going to have to you know go into debt. Um, and both of those are issues, um, especially because I, I don't particularly like, so you're either going to raise taxes on people who need that money, or you're going to take it from the rich. And as everybody on this podcast knows, I don't, I, I don't condone using rich people as America's piggy bank. It's just, it's just not how I prefer to operate on an ethical standard. Um, then aside from the cost, there's also the, the psychological issues that I have with it. So I don't believe that we're designed to be handed stuff. Um, and Chris, you were talking about uh, you, you don't think on a broad base that it would have a negative impact on the work environment. I would push no, back on that 100% because we have, I mean, the, the obvious effects of the uh, 300, just the $300 um, federal unemployment um, tax right now, or I'm sorry, unemployment insurance right now, even just those $300 is keeping people out of work so, so I on know that, that point hold on i want to i want to chime in on that point. um that is i i last time we talked about this and we were talking about because i was making comments about when i was traveling yeah. i couldn't even walk into restaurants i've done yeah, some yeah. research on that since and the the unemployment is a factor but it's one of i think it was four main ones that that i found and i'm not prepared to fully talk about this because i okay. wasn't yeah, thinking we'd get to it but um some of the other ones are one of the the main one that I read was um, from all the studies that they've done on this up to, up to date, which is very short time is current. 
uh, is that the main one is is parents not going back to work yet because of childcare expenses and not not being uh, yeah, able yeah, yeah. to or wanting to get their kids back into school, daycares, etc. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Yep. Another one is there's a significant number of uh, this isn't number two. I don't think. I think this is number three. There's a significant. Or, I'm sorry, number four. There's a significant number of people that are uh, afraid to go back into the workforce, like nervous about uh, COVID and all that stuff. Still, right? Right. Especially uh, waitressing jobs. Yeah, yeah, and so, uh, but the main one, the main one and number one and two, right? So I already said number one. This is either number one or two as well. Is people early retiring? Uh, the the boomers. So my mom is actually oh, one boy. of them. My mom has been yeah, a coming. restaurant manager for twenty something years. Yeah, and you know she's she's sixty ish. You know she she still has more time. She'd still be working now if COVID would have never happened. But she's done. She's not going back to work. Right, and so there's a lot of other factors that are playing into this labor shortage, to where the uh, the unemployment part, the extra money, is is one of the smallest, if not the right. smallest, of right. the four main main inputs. Okay, so all right, so then forget. granted, one last thing, let's not forget, like half a million people died. That's half a million jobs that are uh, now unoccupied. Uh, Available for immigrants. Um, okay, just just uh 80% of those people were non-working age. Those were all re- mostly retired people. <laughs> yeah, sure. Still still have a million people died. That, 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 that is true. Like, I wonder fix the job market somehow, right? Like I'm sure it does. Uh, a lot of deaths. Uh all right. So so it my point still sense. kind of generally stands, right? So um where and again, okay, so there's a good distinction. I'll I'll throw this out so you guys don't have to address it later. There is a difference between the unemployment insurance, which means you you either work or get this free money. Um, the universal basic income, obviously, you get um, whether you're working or not. So like you can you can still go to your Burger King job. It's just that you come down to a, you come home to a thousand extra. I get it. Yet at the same time, I I mean, it's just it's it to me it's simple simple psychology that. There are a lot of young men, especially actually, I'm sure young men and women who would be perfectly happy to sit home in their underwear and play video games on a thousand dollars a month. So we can we can we can get into that if you if you want a little bit later. Can I push back on that now, or do you want to kind of continue like a full circle? Let's let let's let him finish his summary real quick. Let let me do my summary. Look, I have it written down. I promise I'll come back to it, Chris. You know what? I'll even put like uh, uh, Chris after this so that I'll remind you to talk about that. Okay, so, okay, so I'm fairly certain that 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 will depress the market. Uh, you know, like a, a 17 year old kid is not going to go work for Burger King if he's. Already, I'm sorry, an 18 year old kid is probably not going to go work for Burger King while he's doing college if he just gets a thousand dollars a month. Um, on top of that, I mean, just, there's just you know, not to belabor the point too much. It's redistributive, right? So that money comes from somewhere, right? So you're either and this kind of is a binary choice here. You are either taking the money from people who can use it, or you're using the rich people as a piggy bank, which I'm ethically opposed to. So I'm not going to belabor that too much. We probably don't even need to argue There's about a that. There's third option, but it's not the one that's ever been proposed, and that is to generate All right, I'm putting your name after this because I want to hear what that is. To generate money to give to them, right? So like we did with these— The government doesn't generate money. If you print money and send the checks out, you, you yeah, generate yeah, the money. Yeah, but then you inflate. Stop it. I- I said that's it's not a third option. option that nobody's oh proposed. That's not even but that an option. Is, that is an option. There's some. I, I did do some reading on it. It's interesting because they're so. It's it not a good more, option, Chris. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, there, there's, there's, um, there are counterinflation arguments in regards to UBI without printing money because there is something you said. Well, well, 
Oh, money. Okay, with, without printing no, no. money, sure. Yeah, without sure. permit printing money for sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we shouldn't be printing um, money. But okay, and then uh, okay, so and then I have a, a sort of a final argument, which is probably my strongest and most interesting one, is is that we basically um, society already provides UBI in 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 the form of cheap, plentiful goods, right? Um, and we've clashed on this a bunch of times. Like the last time we talked, uh, last couple times we talked about uh, income inequality and issues like that. We've clashed on this a bunch. But I mean, it it's it is an absolute truth that every single one of us Americans, just just about every single one of the employed Americans, even the poor working class, are all literally richer than the kings of the past. Right? Like we we are just so immensely wealthy. And all you have to do to enjoy that American dream is um, is basically uh, there's there's three rules, right? So you basically all you have to do is finish high school, hold a job, and don't have a baby out of wedlock, and you're going to be in the middle class enjoying that wealth that is the wealth that's greater than the the kings of past, right? So in that part. sense, we already have a UBI, and I think I think that um, putting in minimal effort to uh, achieve that dream is probably something that we should expect people to be able to do. And that's it. That's that's my opposition to UBI. Okay. Um, so I was interesting. I didn't hear one of the main four that is argued, which is misuse of funds. Why should I be funding people's uh, choice to drink or smoke or do crack or drugs or whatever? All the other other temptations. I'm going to argue things. something like that, but not that. It yeah. has to do with psychology. Um, so Chris, go ahead, because I I actually have some comments I'll make after you do. Well, sure, sure. So I guess the fun thing that I did was I read a lot of this book the past couple of weeks. Um, so I pulled this off of the Harvard Library. Uh, so I, it's pretty peer-reviewed. Each chapter is written by a different leading economists, bipartisan if you want to uh, dive into the weeds of it. And so it was, really, it was really valuable because I was able to get like a lot of fun information from this. And so uh, first, I think we need to understand... Uh, when we're talking dollars and cents of UBI and numbers, I'm going to go back to myself for a second before I go to a graph. Uh, one of the ways that arguably we can calculate how much money we should actually give out per month, like that $500, $1,000, there is, there is, a, it's, it's, there is a figure. Um, I, I, some are buried in this book, but the main principle, I have the, the aggregate figures, the macro, is what would it cost to effectively eradicate extreme poverty? What would it cost to make sure most people have housing? Uh, or people can't like it, the only reason why you wouldn't have housing with this UBI plan is because you you misused it. Um, which uh, what we found so far in the places that UBI has been used, people don't really misuse it. Most people will use it for apartment, for groceries, for childcare. It has been going towards those things. Uh, granted, all UBI studies as of this point have not been true UBI, and so we can actually pull this up and we're gonna circle back. Right. Uh, this is true UBI right here, universal basic income, uh, where there is no targeting, there is no conditionality, and right. there's transfer of funds. That is cash specifically. So it's not like you're getting a voucher. It's not like you're getting some other like in-kind contribution like a, like a couch or a free apartment. Uh, you're getting right. your cash, unconditional of any other variable, and there's no targeting. Um, so that's what true UBI is. We've never seen that. However, because we've seen targeting, we've seen conditionality. Uh, typically, we see cash like that—that that has happened, but or a voucher, or whatnot. 
Now they've never done countrywide UBI, but they have done. Never. Uh, they have done like citywide and like area wide and group and like random exactly. selection of people wide. But yeah. So for third world countries where there's much more poverty, and this is direct quotes, it would take roughly thirty six to forty eight percent of a GDP. That's a ton of money. However, for yes. developed countries, only eight to twenty two percent of GDP would would be required for us to to implement an eradication of poverty, UBI. Now, one other thing that we should be conscious of is, well, what, is, what, is, what are the numbers that we're already working with, right? And this is where a lot of UBI people also argue. And I think this is actually straight off of a conservative site, so that's kind of fun. So let's talk, <laughs> about, let's talk about what is the federal budget. And the federal budget gets broken up into like three separate things. Um, so basically a discretionary spending, and you have... Uh, Spending it is, is flexible, mandatory. Uh, yep. or discretionary is flexible, mandatory is specific. Uh, mandatory spending makes up the vast majority of our federal budget. Uh, discretionary spending makes up about a, about a third, I would say. We dive into that. Our discretionary spending is actually things such as military. Um, military, obviously, is not going to change with UBI. There's no polling from military, really. Well, maybe a little bit. There's an argument for that. There's an argument for that, without a doubt. Um, but a lot of things like housing and community, benefits for veterans, uh, Medicare and health. And then finally, when we look at mandatory spending, it's, it's literally UBI um, in, in a sense. It is, it is social welfare. It is social security, unemployment, Medicare, which is universal health care for the elderly, and then some more veteran benefits that get packaged. So, so a main argument for UBI is essentially we would cut... All of these things, you would stop giving the same military benefits that currently exist. You would stop giving Social Security. You'd, stop, you'd drastically reduce Medicaid and Social Security and instead create a UBI system where from day one, people have funds, people have money, people have free choice with their dollars. People could uh, now, now it's, uh, you can't survive on just that because if you want health care, right. you're, also, you're also going to need a job still uh, if you want uh, fancy stuff. It, you're gonna if you want to go to college, you're still gonna have to do some type of work. But uh, however, if we strip other funding programs and just do UBI, then it's actually kind of doable for first world countries. So, so um, it's still expensive. Right, I, I might. It's still expensive. I might push back on a small point, and I wonder if you concur with this, Tim. So remember, Tim. I remember when we were talking uh, one night about who who takes the resources in any given medical insurance pool, and it turns who out takes, that it's a who it, takes the resources. Yeah. So so basically, who uses the money in any given insurance pool, and it turns out it's a Pareto distribution, which basically means that most people don't use the money that they pay into insurance, and then there's a tiny a uh, one percent basically. Yeah. That yeah. End uh -huh. up you know, like they're the ones that end up with cancer. They're the ones that end up with, uh, you know, like chronological diseases or things like that. Poor, so they end right? up pulling out more. So, so put my point to you, Chris, uh, um, is you're you're actually pulling back from the more compassionate thing, which is like this person is on Medicare. Medicare covers this, even though med like med like Medicare is whatever. Like it's it's good or bad. But when you have this cancer, it does pay for it, even if it maybe pays for it imperfectly. However, with universal basic income, you're limited to that $1,000. Most people are going to make out with that, but there's going to be a few people, the ones who the left cares about most, the most needy, the people who are the most sick who are going to suffer under that. 
Well, I, I actually think Chris and Chris is I think Chris is wrong on one thing in that uh, I don't know that I've seen many, if any, UBI propositions that removed Medicare. Uh, uh, yes, no, that, that's not one of the that's not one of the 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 policies that would be taken away. Social Security potentially, yeah. but not Medicare and Medicaid. Oh, uh, okay, okay. That's that's um, something I would agree with. Is is we would keep like the uh, the healthcare system, but you would you would definitely, without a doubt, strip benefits from uh, these other categories and uh, I, and also for what it's worth and, and I think I'm I think I'm accurate in this. I don't have the number for it. Um, some of the biggest expenses of healthcare, insurances, um, unemployment, these are going towards like lower class poverty. Um, I, if we can do things such as ensure that there is a, a flow of cash to people uh, that would otherwise be struggling. Well, first and foremost, you you uh, you would hopefully see other positive outcomes like reduction in obesity, reduction in um, in crime, reduction in uh, certain dangerous lifestyles, improvement in education. These are things that would I uh, I uh, would in turn convey into lower overall health problems and epidemics for our country because people would just be healthier from day one. It's just like uh, it, it, they would just be better off. You know, the the person that, uh, ho you know, hopefully people aren't just using their UBI to just chug McDonald's all day, but uh, if they do, that's their choice. But I think most people at the end of the day as well, like I think one thing that, and we're gonna, this is getting a little bit further into the conversation, one thing that we're, we're forgetting is that humans are not these robots that are operating in a vacuum. Uh, humans want more for Great. themselves. They, they want to do better. I I make more than I've ever made in my life right now, and I'm like, I kind of want to make more now, and that's something I never thought I would feel. But I'm like, wow, I kind of want to make more, and so, and and honestly, God, but Chris, I to all right, this this is oh, the psychology what? thing. You are and, and like the reason why um, when I was rounding up my posse and when when I wanted when I was considering people to be on this podcast with me. You are a driven individual, right? And I'm not just—I'm not just saying that to butter you up. But you but a lot of have are. a drive. You create things. You want—you have drive in life. Not everybody has that, and I—I I feel I, like optimistic and driven people like yourself don't realize that there are plenty, or if many, many, many people in the society, like a good third of society, who doesn't have that drive to do better. And if given the choice, they would sit at home in their underwear all day long and take the thousand dollars. I, I can agree so, that. So there's, you know, been, there's been studies that on, on not again, to, to Chris's point, there haven't been any countrywide right, widespread true UBI pro policies and programs. There have been some smaller trials, um, but there's been studies uh, done. So MIT and Harvard, as an example, uh, did one, and they did a study of government cash transfer programs uh, across different countries and, and different time periods, and they found that there's no impact, no average impact across everybody that received this. There was no overall loss of, of uh, work behavior, like no no change in work behavior. And and interestingly to me, they then some come out and say, however, there was a decrease in work hours for two groups. And before I talk about what those two groups are, what that means to me is that there was an actual increase in work hours in other groups because overall there was not a decrease, right? Right. The two groups that had a decreased number of work hours were mothers with young children and children yeah. in high school. Yeah. I think, too, where it comes into is that and a really important factor in all of this is that 
Whereas, like, yes, I, I agree. I think, and I really appreciate the kind words. I do feel like I have, have more drive than the average person. With that said, every capitalism literally thrives on this notion of everybody wants more. Even the bums in their undies playing uh, Skyrim, maxing out, maxing out their accounts on Skyrim. Uh, these people are going to want to buy the next Skyrim. They're going to want to buy the PS12. They're going to want to buy like these fancy things. And so with that, to be able to have rent, to be able to, even with roommates, to be able to pay for your groceries, even if you're just like munching Taco Bell, to be able to have these nicer things, you eventually are going to get another job still. The UBI, yes, is it going to create an overall average amount of money that you have? Sure. It'll eradicate those serious problems of like housing and apartments. Um, things that I don't foresee it doing is drastically changing the workforce because one, First and foremost, there's going to be some inflation. So that PS12 is going to cost a lot more. So Why is there going to be inflation? So let's pretend there's not inflation because I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Either way, you're going to want to have wait, those wait, is your, wait, hold on. Is your assertion that there will be... Oh, wait, are you talking about normal inflation or are you asserting that with UBI comes inflation? I took him saying the latter, yeah. I guess I'm perceiving it as that like... If everybody makes X amount of dollars more, everything else will also, in theory, adjust for that. But like, you still have the same buying power. Um, but I'm not an economist, so I don't know if I can make that claim. However, can we... what I guess yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. What, what I'm just saying though is like the average person, like it, even though they have more money, they're gonna still want to buy things. They're still gonna want to buy nice shoes. They're still gonna want to buy. Uh, the next car or a shitty car. You, you I know, think that's your bias. I, I really, I don't think we're going to agree so. on this tonight, but I think, I think what what you're talking about is the way that it, I think it's slightly utopian. It's it's a it's a it's a kind vision of humanity um, where where I'm picturing in my head where what I know already exists, which is you know people who are my age in their mother's basement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that. No. You I, Listen, listen. So, so your study it changes my mind a little bit, but like it, it, it I'm like I mean, just talk to me like I'm a real person here. All of you probably yeah. know somebody who's living, uh, still living with their parents, who's in the basement, not doesn't have a job, not doing anything, has no drive in life. You, you probably know those people, tons of them, right? And it's like it, this probably yeah, they this, they exist, but does it cre does by getting money does it create more of them? Yeah, I well apparently. Uh, Right, like if if I it's a psychological know. thing, it's like I'm either a lazy bum or I'm a hard worker or somewhere in between. I am who I am, right? Receiving some money isn't going to change that for most people, right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that by giving that guy in the basement a thousand dollars a month, he's going to go get a job. That's that's not true. But but the studies have shown that it doesn't change the 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 average behavior, the the behavior across the board. So. I disagree. And, and 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 specifically in in that's what the studies show. It doesn't. I mean, I, I, that's I that's the meme I just threw up is because. Yeah. Well, I, well, I that's think, the I meme I just threw up because you're like, yeah, I'm I I believe this because I just do, right? Screw your facts. I, I just it's, think it's like, so eminently logical. Like, it, it's not like just me not, saying, look, like, Zeus is still my god because I don't care what you say, I believe <laughs> it. Well, hey, right? look, maybe like, maybe a bit more um, utopian, uh, you know, thought. Uh, uh, games, but in theory, right? Like, so those bums that I know, I know a handful of bums that are just, you know, they're, they're living at home, they're, they're working as little as they can so, so they can play as, like, they have, the, they have, they've balanced the equilibrium of, like, hours needed to work to sustain. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
And and so let's say we we pump them up with like eight hundred bucks a month, right? They continue yep. living at home. Uh, Forty years go by. They've either done one of two things. They've either spent all of that money, um, which has then gone right back into the economy. A lot of it's going to get captured by tech companies. Um, a decent amount yeah. will probably go into the local economy. Second, they save it because a lot of people do that. Uh, you know, a lot of bums I know just save their money because they just don't know what to do with it, and so they die. And then it just gets inheritance taxed. Like, like what? what <laughs> like what? Well, it doesn't get taxed. If they're a bum, it does not get inheritance tax. Well, if they die, if they die and they have 180000 in their, uh, their bank account and they haven't given it to anybody, then it just gets claimed by the government. If they don't, if they don't leave a will that really? says, yeah, if you die and you don't no. designate your money to a charity, a trust, or they give it to a family member who hopefully isn't a bum. No, and then they yeah, spend no, it. Going to the government is the absolute last thing that happens. They do a, a search for any relative, any living relative that you oh, have. Really? Yes. That's good. Well, somebody will get it. Like that. And the government they doesn't get it. get it unless, like, there's no inheritance tax unless you're, like, over $11.5 million. Oh, in your got state. it, got it, got it. So, so I'm guessing but, if you're a bum, you're not going to be crossing that well, threshold. So the money will go somewhere, though, and then that person will use it productively. It just is going to take a, a generation to get to them. Right, but, okay, all right, all right. Fine. I mean, I get, I, get, I get the feeling, right? I, I, I understand that idea that there are bums out there, and there may be a small number of people that were, you know, that were working because they felt like they had to, but now they don't have to with, with this basic income and they might not work as hard or they might work part-time. I'm not arguing that there's not some small percentage or small subset of, of the society that is that way. But what, what I actually believe counters that is there's a group of people out there that were really down on their luck, had bad things happen to them, entered a position where they're not working at all right now, even though they want to find a job, right? And yep. I've seen a lot of documentaries where they're talking to homeless people. Some of them you can tell. They're just like, look, I don't want to work. Like, I'm fine living like this. And yeah. others are like, I had a really nice house. I had a family. We got divorced. Uh, this happened. That happened. I lost the house. I didn't have a house. So I was living out of my car. I ended up getting fired because I didn't wasn't able to wash my clothes. Blah, blah, blah. All the way down to now they're living in a tent in a parking lot somewhere. And those people, if they had the support structure to give them that jumping off point, they would get back into the workforce. So I think those two set, in my opinion, because I do think that, that it's a small enough number of people that aren't already bums that would become bums, which is really the dip. We're looking at a, at a, at a delta, right, at a change between one and the other, not yep, 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 yep. what's already there, uh, that, that it's not, not going to be a big impact and loss to the labor force. One thing that I really try to kind of build on in this conversation. And the studies support me. Hey. One study. <laughs> one study that I was trying to find that I couldn't yet, and I would, I would love to one day down the road run a, run, a, run a study on this maybe. I would love to see employment rates, because uh, I, I don't have an answer for this. I can barely even speculate. I would love to see what does employment look like? And obviously, this has the, lots of nuances, grains of salt, immediate devil's advocates, immediate like, well, that's apples to watermelon. Can't even compare. With, with all that said, it's something I'm interested in. For those people that started jobs at 20, that gave 20-year pensions, and now they're in their 40s, and they qualify for early retirement uh, to live on a pension, I'm curious how many of them, uh, leave the, once they that have left the job, accepted the pension, continue to work, or just live on that pension. 
Like, I'm curious. You know, do you kind of see where I'm getting with that? Like, if you had twenty, thirty thousand dollars of income coming into you because you put twenty million, twenty years into the military, or twenty years into the police force, or twenty years into teaching, you were really lucky. You locked into your teaching job at twenty-one. You retire at forty-one. How many of those people continue to work? How many of those people took part-time jobs? Because I know, I know all, all my pension people that I know in my world that are in their sixties have their pensions, went to go volunteer, and they ended up just getting full-time jobs again. Like just in a in a oh, yeah. In a career, yeah yeah in a career they love even more, where they're like running a nonprofit, or they, they could have never justified right. doing this as their main job. Right. But now that they yes, it pays fifty grand, but there's no benefits. But now they have a pension and fifty grand. And they're like. Why not? I know a lot of people like that. So I'm just curious. I do. Like, yep, yep. That's very common in the military, right? It's you stay in for 20 years and then you go work for the post office for 20 years and then you have two government pensions. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe you do 20 years and then boom, you go, I don't know, start a coffee shop. you do 30 years. 30 yeah. years, yeah, which gives you, well, now they got the blended retirement, which is a little different, but. um. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but anyways. They have to give seminars on it. So, yeah. okay. So let, let me. Okay, so let's let let me concede to to Tim's studies. For, I personally, I I just I feel like they're not longitudinal enough. I feel like they're not. I, I just I, I I would like to see the studies, frankly. Okay, so we'll we'll just leave it at that. We'll concede that. Um, but this one, I'm curious about how you two would respond to this point, and that is is that uh, people who are people who are homeless. Right. So let's say the target demographic for this would be the homeless. It's not, you know, it would be also poor people, too. But let's talk about the homeless right now. Homeless people, um, to a large margin, at least a third of them compared to the mental illness policy organization, um, at least a third of them are mentally ill. Right. Yeah. And then uh, a far a larger number than that of them um, are addicted to drugs. And the interesting thing is, is that giving money to uh, drug addicts is probably the worst thing you can do for them. And giving money to mentally ill people will ha likely have a negative or a net negative or neutral effect because they, they don't know how to use it. So I mean, do, you do, you have, do you have data for that or is that, your, is that just an opinion? Which part? So the, the, the hard fact giving, that I have is about money a third of... To, the giving money to drug addicts and mentally ill separately right like okay so all right so the the let's see i have i have uh the the statistics for how many homeless people are approximately mentally ill and that's one third i have those statistics and i know that giving drug or money to drug addicts is also not a good thing and i have that from world-renowned psychologist and uh professor of psychology jordan peterson so i have those two stats um i don't have yeah. the i don't have the the block other one so i'm not sure what percentage of homeless people are meant to, are are drug addicts and uh i don't know other than sort of common sense that giving money to mentally ill people is likely to either have like a net negative effect yeah. on them like so mentally ill people like well, like what, what are they going to do with it you know so i think the beauty of ubi is like it's not a vacuum scenario it's that society would accommodate and just adjust for it so to counter like one side of it and then i'll, I'll make yep. this quick so tim you can jive, uh, jump in as well on one end for those that are mentally ill without drug problems they're just mentally ill and they're homeless um yep. and actually for those that have drug problems this this place too uh, i would encourage you guys and any viewers research housing first policy initiatives um it's this huge policy movement um there's do dozens of branch organizations of that have begin powering this through. And what they find out is that if you just give someone that's homeless, mentally ill, you help establish an apartment for them, like the, the cost of emergency room expenditures go down. Like there's a net positive uh, to society, like so much ends. Like 
including drugs. Like, a lot starts to end. Um, the second thing, in terms of drug usage, I agree. Like, you know, more likely than not, um, you have these $1,000 a month grants. This person's going to use that for drugs. That's why I think the goal would be is, like, it's not like live-in rehabilitation centers are just going to end. It's not like these things are just going to stop existing. Right. Um, and I think the goal would be is very similar to kind of how social security already functions. So say you're an old person, you have social security, you can't afford a housing, but your town provides uh, a subsidized housing. Typically, subsidized housing is matched in a way that you just funnel your social security right into it, and it leaves you with an extra couple hundred dollars a month for for groceries. But be your yeah, how, how are you going to stop that though? Like how how would you? So again, like how would you stop that direct payment from coming to somebody who is let's you, you let, let's don't. say recently homeless and and addicted to heroin? You and you know that like they're going to spend that thousand dollars on it. heroin. You, you talk you, to them. You say you say like you. you Who's you, you though? You don't Doctors, stop it. Pharmacologists, sociologists. These, these things work. Like if you go, you go say, hey, there's a needle distribution site. Say, okay, cool. You bring them to a distribution site. There you say, you probably want to stop dying. So maybe let's get you into living <laughs> rehabilitation. And then you say, because you already have this one thousand dollars a month voucher coming in. We can literally get you the best treatment in the world right now, and then it'll still leave you with uh, enough money at the end. Um, so, so the, and that already happens. It already happens and already works because, honest to God, a lot of people that are on heroin probably don't want to be on heroin. Um, some of them do, and just like Tim said, you can't stop them. You, like, cool. You don't. Like, that, that's, that's one of the beautiful and unbeautiful, in a way, things of UBI, right? Like, on one hand, it's, it's beautiful because it gives each individual the individual responsibility to do with the the money what they feel is the most valuable for yeah. their lives the downside is there's a, there's going to be jackasses that don't do the right thing but similar to um you know the the initial thought of like well if i gave people money they'd stop working there's that thought of if i give people money they're going to abuse it and and so this is so there's there's four main arguments against ubi one is it makes people not work one is that they're going to misuse the funds. That's the one we're talking about now. One is how do you fund Not it? Really. It's going to it's going to make everybody break or broke, right? You got to take it from the rich. You got to you know whatever. Right. It's taking money from yep. people that earned yep. it and giving it to others. Yep. You basically uh, have a billionaire benefactor out there. Somewhere. And then and then the third uh, the fourth one is it's going to cause inflation and then end up being a net negative at the at the end anyway, right? Right. So right now we're talking of the misused funds one. Like people are going to spend it on shit that I don't think they should spend it on. No. And, uh, and no, and, we're not. And I just I, I need to be very clear because that's not what I'm talking about. I do not give a shit. Spending if it, on spend drugs? it on drugs. No, no. I'm saying that people will spiral further into their drug addiction and die. That's not compassionate, and that's not frivolous spending. That's 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 it, a it, that is, that and that's not compassionate. The, no, that that 100 percent falls into the misuse. Funds. They're it's, spending it, it, it on a things that they frivolous should. spending and putting somebody in a death spiral by giving them more money. I, I understand that. And I'm, I'm saying, well, first off, the people that are going to go into this death spiral are the ones that already can't afford to buy this stuff, right? That's very few and far between. It's not like I'm going to give somebody exist. a thousand bucks that's I'm not, never I'm not done saying heroin. It's, I'm not, I'm not like, saying oh, how many people it is, it. but they exist and should be considered. They, 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 they do, and they should be. I 100% agree. Uh, and what the studies show is that overall, on average, spending on these things goes down when you give people money. Uh, because they start to see that they can spend it on other things and improve their lives and improve their livelihood. Uh, I would also argue on a point that you made earlier that the target audience of UBI is the extremely poor 
and homeless. And I don't think that is the target audience. They are part of the target audience, but they aren't the core. Of I misspoke. If they, if they were, then you wouldn't be talking UBI. You'd be talking targeted funding for poor people, mm-hmm. right? So uh, to me, UBI is for everybody. And, and to me, where I think it's more beneficial is the people you talked about, the, the person living on Social Security that's 65 and lives in a home. I don't know if we've talked about it much. My wife works for a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. And that organization's whole existence is to keep those people who live on Social Security, and that's all the money they have, in their homes. Because when their furnace breaks or their roof starts leaking or something like that happens, and it, their Social Security is not enough for them to pay for those, those right. upkeeps right. and those repairs. And without my wife's company, they would lose their home and get stuck in, in public living, public um, housing some other way of, of, of being supported by everybody else, right? So um, those those people, I think, are also a massive target of this, mm-hmm. as is you and me and anybody else in this country who uh, could benefit from having the security underneath you to know that when the worst thing happens, I'm not going to be homeless. I'm not going to not be able to feed my family, right? Uh, so, So to me, it's not as much about funding the person so that they can buy the next PlayStation. It's about giving everybody this basic level of safety net that says, if shit happens, if, if things happen, you have this, you can do that. And to Chris's point, you know, and your, your point a little bit, the people that have pensions, they go and find jobs that they find more rewarding, that they're happier in. Um, and I think that could be a side effect, and that could be a negative, that could be detrimental, right? If if nobody so wants could, to deliver yeah. my packages yeah. to my door, I wasn't I'm even going to talk about that, right? Cause, but, cause, uh, cause, because because that that well, that is an interesting point, right there, Chris. I mean, it, you talked about uh, you talked about uh, maybe more people will go into the arts. Well, what? what so the the wonderful thing about the free market economy is is that we we don't we don't specifically subsidize certain things. We we yes, respond we to needs. Basically, there's a salary for a McDonald's worker, but there's not a sal- good salary for a mediocre painter, right? And the reason why the free market works in that area is, is because we don't need to flood the market with mediocre paint. We do need to have sandwiches served at Burger King. And if you if you remove the low-level incentivization of those sort of low-level jobs, I mean, you're, you're messing around with the free market and you're going to have a whole bunch of problems where, where somebody who should be doing something at McDonald's and I say should, right, because it's an entry-level job or it, it is a job that serves something for someone else, that person might decide to, you know, go over here and make mediocre paintings that nobody wants anyways. Yeah, and so that's an interesting point, and that's actually one that got hit on in the video I watched today about vertical farms. Uh, they were talking about how vertical farms dramatically, I mean, I think it was like 120th or something of the labor requirement uh, wow. for farming, right? So they, they said, if vertical farms take off, if we change this business, it puts all the farmers out of business. They don't have a livelihood anymore. And they said, we understand that. We know this is a concern. Yeah. And then they, then they brought up the question of saying, like, but do you take something that may be uh, for the greater good and avoid it because it may change something that is now? I think that kind of applies to what we're talking about. And like saying, yeah, it, yeah, may, change, it may change the landscape of... of of how much we have to pay for certain jobs because of how much people really hate doing them, right? So those jobs may become 
more expensive for companies to fund. We're it may now cost me more the new to have packages slide. delivered. The or it may now cost me more to go to McDonald's for these jobs that people didn't want to do before, right? But that doesn't. But that that's not the same as the overall inflation or change. It's just these now become more expensive, and something else becomes less expensive. Right now, instead of paying five hundred dollars for a piece of art on my wall, or or whatever it is that people decide to do, I may be able to pay way less for it. Right. It's, okay, it's, so it's, I'm not. All right, so we're talking about change. those are two different phenomena, though. One, you're talking about something which is good, which and unfortunate for the old industries, which is is new, more efficient industries come and displace the old ones. That's good. That's fine. What I'm talking about is people who shouldn't be moving from one thing to another. So, like, so providing a a, a, a service you're, to society, you're, which you're is boxing serving yourself burgers. into capitalist view, though, right? Like, I'm talking about an overall benefit at the end, not purely just from. I a, am too. A I'm trying to. I'm trying to be view. as broad as possible here, right? So it is a good thing when older, inefficient systems, say for example, of farming, go out of date, and then newer, efficient ones, because that makes our food cheaper. That is a net benefit to society. It is a net negative to society if the person who was serving me burgers. Stop serving me burgers, not because right. not because he doesn't, uh, not because uh, burgers now get served automatically. He stops because now he's making enough money where he's comfortable going oh. to pursue his. No, no, see burger. that that's not no, that's no, not no, a that's, that's, that's you you completely took that way out of context and 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 like you took the you took the the positive of one and said yeah that's a positive and the negative of the other and said but this is a negative. The positive yeah. of the one is yeah we have more efficient. Uh, generation of food that's great the negative of that was a shit ton of people lose their jobs right and you're saying and you're saying i get that but it's worth it right that positive is worth all of them yeah. losing their jobs yes you know and and obviously we'd find ways to get them jobs all that right what because now society say, has more efficient food what you didn't production. say on the other side was the net benefit of ubi is is this that and the other and it's great the negative, one of the negatives is we have a restructuring of the workforce. I, I get that's not a positive, but it is also not a negative enough to offset the positive gain of UBI. You didn't give it that. You just basically said, oh, well, if they're going to restructure jobs, then it's a, net not, it's a net loss. There's no other positive gain that comes from UBI. You just ignored all of that. I think part of it, too, is, is I just want to say, like, Let's say UBI is $500 a month, which is what, what I believe would effectively help eradicate poverty, 500 to 1000 mm -hmm. Making an extra uh, six to $12,000 a year is not going to create massive unemployment. Like, I would agree not, with that probably. Like, yep. like, you're you're going to see one of maybe three things happen. People are going to stay working exactly like they're already doing, and now they have a plus $10,000 to their income. They're going to say, well, since I make an extra 10000 a year, and my job only pays me eighteen thousand a year at like a McDonald's or something, or fifteen thousand. Maybe I work a third less, so I make more overall at the end of the year, but I work a little bit less, and that just means either one, uh, the the sal the the pay goes up a little bit, they hire more people, or they um, I, I yeah they they automatize something, or finally the person just like actually quits and decides to be a bum and on ten thousand a year. Which is just not practical. Like, like no one's, no one's about to like. No one already today lives on ten thousand. I, dear God, absolutely. I lived ten k. I lived on ten k for a year, and it was like the worst year of my fucking life. So, uh, I, I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, 
I don't think it's not like we're pumping people with thirty, forty, fifty thousand like basic income. We're we're giving we're giving pennies on the dollar. But what those pennies on the dollar do is they go a lot further for the people that are only making one to two thousand a year. The people that are basically drug dealers, homeless. Well, not drug dealers, drug users. Drug dealers make a lot more than that. But we're we're helping the people that are homeless. We're helping the single moms. We're helping the uh, the families that are. I have a bunch of kids, and unfortunately, you know, like you said, like you know, Nate, if if we if we have, if if people wait until marriage to have a kid, they're gonna do better off. But unfortunately, that's not how life works right now in a lot of respects. And also, why not? Drastic- why not, Chris? It's everybody's decision. Yeah, it's more complicated than that. But and I, 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 I like how you I like how you're totally on board for for supporting everybody to have their decision and be responsible for their actions in that front but when i say let's give everybody money and they're responsible for how they spend it you're like no 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 but what if they're okay. heroin addicts giving a heroin addict money is signing their death warrant that is different they don't have personal agency tim they will Appar- spend uh, that money on heroin apparently and they will the die people you're thinking of that that had children out of wedlock also don't have personal agency from what, your reaction like oh, well, i mean users? why not why didn't they you, wait till marriage? Okay, hmm? Tim, you hmm? realize that heroin changes your brain, right? Your brain relies I, I on understand. it. No, I understand. Okay, so, and, I, and I'm not trying to make light of of heroin addiction or what would happen to them, right? I'm I'm just trying to say, like, you, you're, you're you're kind of mixing your view a little bit. There's a lot. Although of, I get they're not. It's not pure apples to apples. I'm not trying to say that. There's a lot to. to this is this is a giant giant. That's a, yeah. It is a giant topic. But let me just say, there's something to be said about true personal choice and then societal influence. For instance, we know that uh, in states, the Bible Belt, the the most conservative states, uh, where abstinence-only education is the forefront of what we talk about in terms of reproductive rights and reproductive education and sex ed, have the highest teenage pregnancy rates. The Bible (laughs) Belt is pumping out more 16-year-old babies than fucking liberal New England. Uh, And finally... We also know that the opioid crisis, heroin use, drug epidemics are epidemics for a reason. They're contagious. They are spread within the place that they are used the most. This is not um this is not a radical belief. Pretty much like an opioid epidemic, first and foremost, you had a lot of people that took pain pills thinking that there was no addiction to them. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Secondarily, in communities where there's already rampant uh drug usage, uh Unfortunately, the next generation is incredibly likely to also use that because they're surrounded by it. So it's it's so it's not like so there's bigger societal problems to solve the issues of drugs and teenage pregnancies that throwing some money at the problem is uh, uh, where it's going to help a lot of people in one respect. It's not going to end the epidemic. So there's other things that still need to happen to solve these. So um, what I'm saying Agreed. is like Agreed. personal personal choice is a lot more nuanced. It's not as free form. You, in, in a sense, uh, you know, to be honest, I know I have some utopian ideas. I think the idea of personal choice and free form decision making is quite utopian as well. Because the reality is, yeah. we don't have, disagree. We, our, our decisions are not as much as our own as we think they are. If you treat anybody that. like that, they will punch you square in the mouth because humans yeah. aren't designed to believe what you just said. Doesn't well, mean that, that it isn't true. It, we're still susceptible. Yeah, but, uh, true, true, but okay. But then you then you talk about is it more? Is it d- does it most benefit me to believe that I have personal agency or to not believe it? 
people think they I have mean, personal agency, but we, we really don't. I mean, our decisions are so okay, but, right, right, you should, but if you, you go, go through you life believing watch. that you don't have personal agency, is that better or worse for you than believing that you do have personal agency? You should go watch um, Veritasium's video. I think it's titled "Does do." Were rich people does does were rich people lucky or does do you have to be lucky yeah, to be successful I, I, or something like that? I'm 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 familiar with those arguments. Let's that do that. Let's. Well, no, he talks he talks about um about exactly what you said. It kind of in a way is like is it better for me? Like he proves ish right that that there's a significant amount of luck involved in being successful. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, he then asks the question: Is it better to know that and believe that luck? influences success or not right. and he 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 posits that it is better to act as if th that uh, luck plays no part yep when you are trying to be successful but once yes. you become successful acknowledge that luck played a, a large part to maintain success and continue with it interesting um, so it's uh, it's interesting. You should go watch it. Um, the last one we didn't talk about. I wanted to, or two we didn't talk about much. I want to hit on these before we get out of time. Yeah, uh, we didn't talk good. funding too much, and then we didn't talk inflation much at all. Well, the we funding, all know it's expensive. The, yeah, the funding one's interesting because there's so many different ways it could be done. The the most common that I hear, uh, and this was Andrew Yang's proposal, and that's the one that's kind of stuck, is a combination of. Part of what Chris said, which is eliminating current social programs that would fall underneath this umbrella already. So this is, um, you know, your your food stamps. This is your uh, unemployment. This is your um, uh, welfare, other programs like that. Social Security, potentially, I don't know. Um, and then also with that, including a VAT tax, yep. which most other, um, you know, industrialized or... or Developed Interior, so that way, de developed countries uh, use they use it to to, to cover healthcare and stuff. Um, but most other countries use a VAT tax, and and the idea behind a VAT tax and why that is better is it does tax everybody. Anybody that uses a product pays mm -hmm. the VAT tax, but where it taxes heavily are uh, corporate corporations and and manufacturers and other things yep. uh, because. It taxes every value add step along the way. Whereas currently, if I make a product, I only get taxed at the at the very end, the sale of the product, and not not every step. So there's a lot of value add that can be put in there that isn't taxed. Um, it's it's a lot more complicated. It's expensive, I think, to implement and run. So there's a lot of questions there on if it's the right thing. But a lot of countries do use it, so it's not like a an untested thing. Um. But but the the big one that I hear a lot that we didn't talk about was inflation. Um, and yeah, this I think one... we're at, we might all be on board. I don't know if Chris thought there was going to be inflation, but since I since I posited that when we were planning this podcast, I've come to see that uh, I haven't found anything that posits that inflation would uh, take place. Yeah, and it's a it's a common it's a common thought uh, from people that it would take place, and so I think it's worth for our viewers at least. Uh, to talk about why most economists think that it wouldn't. Uh, there are still some economists that argue that it would cause inflation. It's not 100% known what would happen, but but the, the belief is, and most economists agree, uh, that it wouldn't result in, in inflation. Um, there's been a couple studies and a couple small examples of where this was done. One that I read about recently was done in Mexico, 
they gave three different communities um or, sorry the study was done on three different communities one community nothing was done to one community got the equivalent number dollar amount of food and other resources so they're giving these the, the vegetables and the fruit and all that stuff that they needed that was equivalent to the amount of money that was given to the third community and they did that for some amount of time and then they com- compared the effect on the economy obviously the economy that they didn't give anything to was the baseline the economy that they gave money to had no or very very little inflation it was like 0.02% and they said it was either extremely small or that was equivalent to zero right it's within the 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 margin of error um and there was no effect on uh product pricing so food housing all these mm-hmm. are things that you think these people might be putting this money into the 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 pricing didn't go up part of that makes sense because you're doing it on a, on a small community and right. so you have That's the influence of the external uh environment like constraining pricing like a little unless bit. unless those farmers that are producing the food and all of the goods that they're buying live within that community it's going to be tough to yeah and that's what I thought too until I read about the third community, which was they gave these people all the food, and all of the products that were given to these people had a massive drop in price in that community. All of the all of the vendors there had to lower prices to be able to sell them. So there was there was an impact on on the economy from it. So, but the, but the, the the bottom line of that particular one was there wasn't inflation that was seen. There was actually deflation if you didn't give money and you gave product. Um, but outside of that, the big thing that I want people to understand is in any of the UBI um, propositions that I've heard, they have all talked about taxation, right? They've mm-hmm. all talked about funding UBI through the current production, the current GDP, not, not making money, not printing money and using that. That would drive inflation. Yes. But when you're, t- when you're taking something that was already uh, produced, you're taking that and redistributing it, as you said, that doesn't drive inflation. And here's an analogy that I would say. Government workers get paid from your tax money, right? Like the government taxes you and then pays them. Now they're doing work. They're putting in work. So that should actually result in, in some ways of like deflationary because they didn't, the, 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 the money that was taxed on the other people then gets put back into the economy and there wasn't an extra generation of of profit there it was the same money being paid twice like i paid you you nate i'm your employer i paid you money of that money you you paid that into the tax and then that gets paid to the employees of the government but it's it's close enough in saying that like we then pay taxes at- on their salaries <laughs> yeah exactly right. i remember it was so weird when i joined the military i was like <laughs> Wait a second! I pay tax. Why don't they just keep that money? It's the government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you should be happy. Us, I mean, like, it's really weird, but like, we um, I mean, first and foremost, like, technically, my money comes from the government, right? Um, I pay a tax. But what's really weird is like, uh, there's certain taxes you can't get away from in terms of like payroll expenses. So it's just like, wow, like, why do I still pay this? Like, yeah, it's like it just doesn't take it and give it and all uh, that stuff. There's yeah. some weird state taxes that you still get hit with as a nonprofit. They're very obscure, but they exist. And it's just like, wow, that's weird. Like, uh, I don't know. It's very, it's like, why are just, I don't know, just roll it all into one package. It makes no sense. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. But the, the, the argument there is uh, one way to look at it is like, 
paying UBI is, is similar to that. Like if paying government employees doesn't cause inflation, UBI kind of falls in the same boat. It's close. Um, it's not, but it's not unanimous. Mo most economists think that UBI would not be inflationary, um, but there are some that do. And I know yeah, you've had the comment it. where it may be um, specifically inflationary, like housing specifically, right? Like one or two right, things. Or bread or beer or something like that. Or right, right, whatever maybe it is. Maybe something and, that's non-scalable. Non right, and, and there may be some of that, right? Um, but I think, especially in the short term, but I think that works out overall. Like if housing inf has inflation, then more people get into building houses and filling right, the that free demand. market essentially would respond to that force and eventually build right. more houses yeah. right, since more so, people can afford them. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, in, inflation um, probably isn't going to be an issue. Okay. All right. So then let's get your final thoughts and then Chris will go to your final thoughts and then I'll, I'll wrap it up and send us off. Yeah. I mean, I can just do final thoughts. I mean, um, that's kind of, can you guys hear me? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much I can contribute to the inflation conversation because I just haven't researched too much on it and the economic sides of it. I really would like uh, spending and logic and distribution, uh, which I, I feel pretty confident how I was able to explain it on my side today. Overall, in closing argument, I believe... To be completely honest, I don't think we'll ever see a true UBI be established uh, in our country, at least the United States. I do see uh, more creative ways of social expenditures. I do see states adopting versions of this. I do see us saying, you know, I know the Wall Street Journal pumped out an article like this. Maybe the answer is not universal UBI. Maybe it's right. UBI, which is not true. UBI. Saying maybe we target if you make X amount of dollars or less, you get that. So, um, I'm on the side of the fence where I don't think it's it's going to ever happen. However, I would love for it to happen because I, at the end of the day, I think the ideals that come from it would help society move forward. I think you would see a lot of new innovations. I believe you'd see a lot of um, unique advancements. I also think you'd see more work-life balances. However, um, that's not the world that we live in today. And so we can't operate. I think so often people on the left hear these things like student loan forgiveness or UBI or, um, you know, uh, a whole other uh, buffet of social programs that I would, all would love to see. And they start making decisions in their lives as if those things are actually going to happen. And that's really scary because we, some of them might, you know, we'll probably see a version of student loan forgiveness. Many of them won't ever happen. And at least yeah. in our lifetimes. And so you got to make your decisions in life with the information and the, the society that's at hand, and you know, if you wanted to do what you got to do to change it, uh, yeah, but leave the utopianism to us on this podcast. Yeah, you know, uh, the next generation maybe we can change it for, but probably not this one. So, uh, you know, just accept that your change is, is going to come in late. So, uh, but that's not meant to be pessimistic. It's just a very realistic uh, viewpoint. But that's that's Good my stuff. thought. Tim. Um. Yeah. Some cl closing thoughts, I guess, really are that I generally support UBI, at least in the future. I don't know that we're there where we need it today. Um, but as automation continues, as advancements in technology continue to change the, the working landscape and remove 
uh, more and more labor and investment requirements for these things that we consider basic needs, it becomes easier and easier to provide those to everybody at, at a base level uh, for a societal gain. And I become more and more on board. So where that line is, how much it needs to be, when we should start implementing it, I don't have all those answers. Um, but generally, I think that it is something that we will probably see in our lifetimes, uh, probably in this country, but definitely uh, somewhere in the in the world, and, and it's going to be a growing um, thought. And it, it may be to the point where society gets so good at automating and generating and producing things that you don't have to work anymore to yeah. just live a life, right? And 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 I get the I get the look back point of view of saying, well, it's always been this way. So, you know, like like we've always had to work for it. If we don't work, there's not enough for everybody. But if we get to that point, if we start getting to the point where you don't have to, right? Then what do you do? And so, and I do foresee that coming. Automation is coming. Automation is already taking over a lot of things. We're in the infant infantile stages of it, um, and we're going to get to the point where we may not have to work. It may just be, if you want to live a better life than this level of standard, then you find something to do. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I do think it's coming. Yeah, okay. All right. So <clears throat> there was a famous philosopher whose name eludes me at the moment who said that if Who's not humans so famous. He is that famous. I'm just horrible <laughs> with names. He said that if, if humans were... Um, woke up in in paradise tomorrow uh they would they would take it's, it's some i'm paraphrasing heavily here but they would basically take maybe a day of 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 uh, i think it's like a week of carnal uh relations and imbibing and eating and then after that they would figure out a way to break the system just so that they can start over again because our brains are designed for the struggle. I think that alleviating the struggle doesn't drive with our psychology at a very base sense. Um, and then on top of that, I actually think we're already, we're, we've already basically achieved the UBI. We're all extremely wealthy. I mean, all, even all of the, the socialist college kids basically have cars. Um, if they don't, you know, they still have uh, a whole bunch of money compared to like any other standards of any other any other time. And while that's not UBI per se, it's it's easy access to the middle class. Like I said, there's a Brookings Institute study that says that yeah, basically all that you have to do is. And I know it's not this simple, but if you can do this, you will likely end up in the in the middle class, which is which is finish high school, get a job, and don't have a kid out of wedlock. And those are all choices that many many people can make. And I know it's not that simple, but like you can get. You can get in, in the United States, you can get in that middle class. Almost every single one of you, especially if you're listening to this podcast, which means you're wealthy enough to have a phone, like you can get into the middle class. You can do it. Um, that's, that's like, it, it's, it's so to me, it's like we already have, we are already so just immensely wealthy that basically all we need to do is take care of the probably the drug addicts among us and the mentally unwell or the like uh low iq people like people who can't take care of themselves so as long as like we can we can target the help um but i think we basically already have ubi just by dint of we're we're so just immensely wealthy with the ideas and the gadgets that are around us so i i i don't think we ever need ubi i think it's um if you if you agree with me i think it passively comes on 
uh, it, essentially, the more the more gadgets we have, the more ideas that we create as a society. Um, essentially, it's passive UBI. Um, and then you just add social programs on the bottom of it to help the people who aren't participating in the workforce. So that's that's my thoughts on it. We don't need it. We have it. All right. You heard it here. <laughs> we already have it, guys. So you can, we, we just broke the silo. We heard we had three different points of views. Look at that. Absolutely. Oh, all right. Well, that was a good time. So we ran over a little bit. I, I had a I had a good conversation. I actually learned a lot uh, from you guys tonight. I hope, I hope uh, you probably didn't learn anything from me because you know everything I'm saying is eminently obvious, anyways. I learned what Ben Shapiro uh, believes <laughs> that we yeah. should nuke hurricanes. Got, yeah, 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 yeah. I got a master class in Ben Shapiroism. So. Yes. Everybody needs it. It's free. So, it's here. No, for, research, for research for the next podcast, you guys need to uh, study up on the um, the Gwen Berry thing going on. I, I think oh, that's going to be an interesting right, I'm going to write that down. She's, right, I'll uh, write that she's down. an Olympic. She's an Olympic. Oh, we didn't talk about medalist. that. Yeah, that, that's kind yeah. of like a hot button issue that we should have talked about. But that's, a, that's yeah. okay. That's it was okay. on Maybe my we'll list, but we didn't get to it. We didn't What's get to the it. name? Gwen that, that's the Olympic medalist that uh, turned away from the anthem. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Okay, we'll we'll yeah. research that. We'll talk research about that next it. week. That, that's it. a pretty hot button issue. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, um, I think that's that's it from us tonight. Uh, I had a, again, I had a fantastic time. I learned a lot. Um, next week, we'll probably go back to something closer to a more normal schedule. We'll probably have two topics and something like that, and a little bit less news and memes. Um, I think that's it from us. Uh, thanks for watching, and have a great night.